Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night Live, Punch by Punch ringside commentary of Amir Khan versus Phil LaGreco, live from Liverpool, exclusively on TalkSport, the home of boxing. Welcome to the Echo Arena in Liverpool for Fight Night Live with me, Adam Catterall. Hope you are well. It's a big one tonight. It's the return of King Khan. He's been out of the ring for nearly two years. He hasn't fought in Great Britain for nearly five years. The fans are absolutely buzzing on Merseyside. The arena is packed already. He transcends the sport. He brings new eyes to the sport. And we're looking forward to see whether he's still got the speed, whether he's still got the footwork, whether he's still got the hunger and passion to make a real dint in the 147 pound division. If you need your whistle wetting, take a listen to this. It's not an easy fight, and no fight's easy. I'm gonna go in there and do what I do best. A lot's happened in my life, but so it's time to kind of put all that behind me and focus on what I need to do. And you see Khan's movement, his range, his height looks imposing, and the jab is terrific. Left hand thumps off the head of Malinaz. Khan, Khan's knockout shots look more convincing. Good, good, Steve good stoppage by Steve Smoga. Well done. In the eyes of judges, incidentally, oh. he's at least 20 oh. And down goes Madonna oh. on a tremendous body shot. And he may not get up. Here comes the Olympic pride of England. The defending champion, Amir King Khan. Amir Khan back in action in around about an hour from now. Live on TalkSport, your home for boxing. It is Fight Night Live with me, Adam Catterall, and we've got uh, some illustrious guests alongside me, as ever. The long-haired lover now from Liverpool. That's what I'm calling you, my very friend. Very good, very the good. The long-haired lover from Liverpool. Gareth A. Davis uh, alongside me uh, to call tonight's fight. On commentary tonight, you've been hearing him with me every single step of the way on these Fight Night Lives, Don McGuinness. And it's a pleasure to welcome on board to our team tonight a man that challenged for world titles on three separate occasions, Matthew Macklin, just just raising the glamour of the team. I mean, we bring it down a touch, <laughs> but he's taking it up a notch. How are you, Matt? You well? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm Great good. to have you alongside us tonight, mate. Um, I've been obviously talking to Gareth all week about this particular fight, so I know his thoughts, so I'm going to get yours right now. It is a big one for Amir Khan tonight. We need to know if he's still the same guy that, for example, put a school on against Devin Alexander a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't think tonight to just win is enough. I think Amir Khan has to come out here and make a statement. Cal Brook made a statement a month ago uh, in Sheffield, 
and Amir Khan has to come out here and do the same thing. You know, it's two years since he was badly knocked out in a fight that he was boxing really well in, by the way, but nonetheless, it was a bad knockout against Canelo Alvarez, and he'd only had a couple of fights in the two years previous to that, so his career has been very much kind of going nowhere, really. You know, he had a big fight with Canelo, but, you know, it was a bad loss. You know, from a publicity point of view, he had that stint in the jungle, and I think his popularity mm. went up, had a little spike there. People seen you know, the, the human side and they liked him. And uh, but I, think, I think if we're back to the boxing, I think we really do need to not just see a good win tonight, but we need to see a statement performance. I think we see that with the fans that have turned out for tonight. I mean, there's a particular crowd that comes to a boxing event, isn't there? When we go to an AJ event, it's very different. And there's a little bit of that vibe tonight with Amir Khan. Maybe the stint in the jungle has, uh, has helped us transcend the sport and bring some new eyes. You know, when he won the silver medal in Athens, a star was born. He's been a star from his pro debut all the way through. But that, that star that quality or that star status it probably took a little dip, you know, inactivity, uh, out-of-the-ring problems. But I think his stint in the jungles won a lot of people yeah. over. And like you say, I think, you know, he's a box office draw here. There's 9,000 people here that... You know, this isn't a Bolton crowd. This isn't, you know, local people selling the tickets. People have just that normally wouldn't come to a boxing show have bought tickets to be here tonight. Uh, what I'd say about Amir is he definitely became irrelevant over the last two years. Um, you know, I, I went out to visit him. You know, like you, I've followed his entire career from the Olympics onwards from a teenage kid, as he was, who, the, who, who Great Britain didn't want to go at the time. They didn't want him to go to the Olympics. He became irrelevant after that knockout to Canelo. Um, people were talking about would he ever come back. A group of us went to visit him last year in San Francisco with Virgil Hunter, and he kept telling us then, that was 2017, that he was having a fight that year. Nothing emerged. Going into the jungle, and I remember writing a column in the Telegraph before he went in, I thought would be perfect for him. David Hay rejuvenated his career in there after the horrible loss to Vladimir Klitschko. Phil Tufnell went in there and created a career for himself. Sportsmen are used to being kept in prison in a camp, basically. It's like a prison sentence for them when they go through camp. And, and he was brilliant in there. And what we saw with Amir is he's not got a bad bone in his body. And the thing is about him, this whole journey with Amir, he's vulnerable, he's fragile, but he's exciting. And we're there again tonight. I don't think it's going to be one of those nights. But against Calbrook, if it can happen down the line, it's another one of those thrilling nights no, no, that will Gareth, sell out I, the arena. I agree with you. I mean, you know, Phil LaGreco is should be the tailor-made opponent for it, well, he is. to come out yeah. and look a million dollars. But if he doesn't it, win but, tonight, it's over. No, but it, I don't think winning's enough. I think he's got to come out. He's got to look a million dollars. He's got to make a statement, just like Cal Brook did we were in just Sheffield. over I, a month ago. I, I, we, we were in Sheffield a couple of weeks ago to watch Cal Brook. Cal Brook's ringside tonight. There's a reason why he's ringside tonight, Cal Brook. And hopefully we'll catch him later on I mean, with that's, that, The biggest fight out there for Cal Brook is Amir Khan. The biggest Correct. fight out there for Amir Khan is Cal Brook. Yeah. Cal Brook did his work just over a he month ago. He made a ago. statement. He looked a million dollars. He yeah. made a statement. Yeah. You know, against Rebjenko, who's not a bad fighter. Phil Greco, not a bad fighter, but he's someone that Amir Khan should look absolutely a million dollars against. But also, if this calbrook Amir Khan fight doesn't happen soon, it becomes it loses its relevance. Oh, it loses its relevance. I agree. I think you know Khan comes in, looks good here tonight. Kel fights in June. Maybe Amir gets out again July, but then they have to fight September, October this year. Matt, talk to me about ring rust. I mean, there's a lot talked about in the press about ring rust. He hasn't been in action for nearly two years. How big of a factor might it be tonight, that? Yeah, I mean, it depends. I, th I think if, you, if you're boxing someone who's particularly tricky, got good feet, they're quite rangy, it could be more of an issue. Someone who's pretty stationary, upright, uh, orthodox in style, does what he's supposed to do, even if he's a good fighter, but stylistically, if he does what he's supposed to do, 
then it's not such a, a tough uh, task. I think Amir Khan will find his range fairly quickly with Phil Le Greco, and I think he'll be able to really go to town and, and, and go through the gears. Matt's on comms tonight alongside our very own Don McGuinness, who's uh, with me just watching the ring walker, Tommy Coyle, because he's in action tonight against Sean Massey-Dodd. Uh, you're going to be keeping one eye on this for us, Dom, as, uh, as it prevails as we continue with this uh, programme. But just on the Amir thing, you've spent a little bit of time with him recently. What are you reading into the, where his head's at? Because that's a big factor as well. Well, that, that's a very key thing. And I think Matt just hit on the point. You know, this two-year absence from the ring, five years since he fought in the UK, but the two-year absence, your glass can be half full, half empty. You know, if you look at it and say, well, is he going to be rusty? Am I going to be rusty? Let that play in your mind. Or, as Amir is saying... No, I needed a rest. My body needed a break. I'm 31, it's revitalised me. I feel better now than I did at 28. He's taking the positives out of that inactivity. But he's and had that, two surgeries as well, Dom. Which yeah, he's really, had a hand surgery, you're right. And so this can be a, a key issue for him. It can be a good thing, you know, like psychologically going from one big fight to the next big fight to the next big fight and all the pressure and all the build-up. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need a bit of time away from that. He went into the jungle. You know, he's gone through some personal problems as well. I don't think it was the worst thing in the world that he took some time out for himself. You know, he's moved, he's got a new trainer now in uh, Joe Goosen. Yep. You know, I'll be interested to see. I don't think anyone's going to ch ch show Amir Khan anything new at this stage of the career. But just sometimes a fresh outlook, a fresh way of doing things, a fresh voice. Yeah. It just rejuvenates you a little bit. And uh, I think it was a tired relationship with uh, Virgil Hunter. I've seen Virgil Hunter out in uh, Las Vegas at the uh, Canelo Chavez fight in the Cuban style which we got chatting and I said he's fighting Amir Khan and his take was you know I don't, I don't know if Amir Khan even wants to fight anymore it seemed like that relationship had soured reading between the lines I think that uh, with Dan Goosen or so Jogo's near now I think it's uh, a fresh look I think it's a fresh it'll rejuvenate him and I think he'll enjoy training again I think you know that break will have done him good. As Dom said, I think he'll have done him good. I'm, I think we're going to see Amir Khan coming at eight tonight full of beans. Well, hopefully we will see him full of beans at around about 10 o'clock-ish. We're thinking uh, that he'll be making his ring walk. You can hear a little bit of what they call locally Scouse House bellowing through uh, the system uh, because Sean Mashadot, the Commonwealth champion uh, at lightweight, is about to... Well, he's making his ring walk. I can see him, uh, see him making his way to the ring. Tommy Boom Boom Coyle already in. This is going to be... An absolute banger. Dom, just a quick one on these two gentlemen, um, because there's a lot of love between <laughs> these two guys. There's, there's something quite nice about this fight, because they've been brilliant all week, kissing and cuddling each other, but they're about to go and knock seven bells out of each well, other. Well, it's, it's a crazy scene, really. I was at the first press conference all those weeks ago when Coyle and Dodd turned up as Batman and Superman, <laughs> and, you know, they were hugging and kissing then, and they haven't stopped doing that all week. The, yeah, the public workout at the press conference at the weigh-in, they can't stop smiling and winking and, and, and hugging each other. It really is crazy. But, you know, they're, they're both from the same Steve Wood stable. They both know each other. They've made it quite clear they both like each other. But this is business. And, it, you know, it, Tommy Coyle, you'd say, has been in the better company, of course. He's been in with the more elite. He's had more fights. He's the younger man at 28, Mashadod at 33. But he's got less miles on the clock. And Mashadod just doesn't know he's ever beaten. No, he doesn't. I mean, he's just a crazy fighter. And, you know, again, he's a fan's favourite, as they both are, because they both come to just give it their all. So it's a fascinating prospect. What is interesting as well, Tommy Coyle's trainer, Jamie Moore, isn't here tonight. Nigel Travis is stepping in, and Nigel knows him inside out, so that won't even play into it, but just a fascinating one in, in store here tonight. Well, you're going to hear it going off in the background here, live on TalkSport, and if it does catch fire, if it's one of those fight of the year uh, contenders, we will throw to Dom and Matt, and they will give you round-for-round, punch-for-punch 
uh, coverage on that. Don't forget, we've got live and exclusive commentary of Amir Khan, Phil Logreco, from around about 10 o'clock this evening. In the meantime, uh, we are going to be building up to various other things and talking about various other things that have been going on in the world of sport. For example, Canelo and the heavyweight division. It's all coming up on your Fight Night Live show. Uh, now, before we talk about Tyson Fury's return to the ring, uh, this huge MMA event going on at Wembley Arena on May 25th, Gareth caught up with two of the fighters on that card earlier this week, a certain Michael Venom Page and Aaron Chalmers, ahead of Bellator 200. Gareth began by asking MVP how it felt to be fighting on such a big occasion. Cage Rage on Talk Sport with Bellator 200. See the biggest names from around the globe in the epic MMA showdown. Go to bellatormma.co.uk to get your tickets now. Yeah, being at being Bellator 200, for me, I'd say is just because it is the 200 one. I think you can see, by the way, they're throwing all their big names at this card. It's actually a privilege to be on some of the, just be able to fight alongside some of the people that I've watched before. And uh, especially the likes of like Krokop, I wouldn't have never expected to be, even be on the same card as him. I didn't, didn't expect, I know he was still active, but on a majority of other shows and I never expected him to come back to a, such a big show as Bellator. Um, so it's just good to be on a, on a show like this. It's good that Bellator themselves are taking the UK seriously. Um, and they're putting on such a, a, an amazing show, and I'm on it, man. So, you know, it's going to be a, a tornado or something crazy that's coming out from me. So, yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to bring Aaron in here. Aaron, it's your debut in Bellator. Yep. It's a massive event, yep. Bellator 200. Yep. Are there nerves debuting on Bellator 200? Nah, not so much nerves. I think my me, me most nervous one was the first one because walk out in Birmingham and everyone was booing. So, <laughs> it, do you know what I mean? It, that just added to the pressure. Of, so not only did everyone want us to lose, everyone just, oh, it was just horrible. Mm. So I think being on Bellator, I've been around a little bit longer now. I've had a couple of fights. Um, even though you've got the massive names on the card, Michael, Crocop, uh, Roy Nelson and stuff, I just... Obviously, I just nah. I don't really feel nervous anymore. But you're the you're, I what's see, it like being a nice in. guy playing the villain though, in a way, because you get booed. Do you know, like you know, what it is it can't please everyone, and I, I, I literally I don't go out to please everyone. As long as I'm happy, then that's all I really care about. Have a little talk with Jesus when I get home tonight. I just gotta say, big shout out, Bronze Bomber, Deontay Wilder. You made me do this. He told me I couldn't do it. He told me I couldn't come back. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna prove him wrong and go out and knock him out too. So he made me do it, and I'm hunting him down slowly, like a predator in the long grass. Yes, looking good looking. I've had a sunbed this morning, shave yesterday and a haircut. Feeling good, feeling sharp, feeling ready, ready to attack the heavyweight division. You know, it's going to be a great challenge to become a two-time heavyweight champion of the world. So usually they lose fights and then come back, but this is a special edition. He's looking to finish it right here and now, Fury. I'm going to take me time, nice and steady. I'm dancing to nobody else's music, only my own. I'm not after them. Um, I'm the lineal heavyweight champion, dating back to John L. Sullivan. So it goes back many, many years. The oldest type of belt you can ever have. I'm the best. So they're after me, as you can tell. All they ever talk about is me. Trust me, me and him will get down and dirty real soon. And it's just fight and talk. I, I managed to contact him, he's managed to contact me. And everything that you probably see on social is the same thing that happens behind the scenes. And um, he's not like the champions we know of, like the Mike Tyson, boom, 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 head movement. He's a different, he's a different animal. Let's 
been boring the last 30 months. There's been a lot of suits worn and handshakes made. There's been no Batman press conferences. There's been no action. There's been no talking and there's been no fun and games. The flair has been missing from the heavyweight division. But this light here is going to shine brightly once again. You're listening to Fight Night Live from the Echo Arena in Liverpool tonight for the comeback of Amir Khan. He's taking on Phil LeGreco. You'll get live and exclusive commentary uh, with Don McGuinness and Matt Macklin a little bit later on. Uh, myself, Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis ringside with those boys too uh, to talk about other things that are going on in the world of boxing before Amir makes his ring walk, one of which is, of course, uh, the comeback of Tyson Fury. Uh, Gareth, you spent a lot of time with Tyson uh, recently. They've announced the date. We finally got a date, June the 9th, Manchester. Um, kind of his hometown, kind of his hometown. Um, I'm really looking forward to having him back in this mix because he is a character and for me, when I was a kid growing up, falling in love with this sport, it was the characters, the people like Nazim Ahmed, for example, that made me love this sport even more than I already did and he's definitely one of them. Yeah, he is. You, look, it's rare when people take the microphone and sing after victories in the ring and they're nearly seven foot tall. Especially the thing is, Exactly, exactly, <laughs> especially a love song to his wife. You know, listen, travellers are, are in a unique race and he is unique amongst the travellers. He, he deserves to call himself the Gypsy King. I, I'm, I look, I'm, I'm unadulterated uh, as a fan for Tyson Fury. I think he's had a very hard time in the media. Some of his own doing, of course, from some of his pronouncements. Um, but what I will say is this, being with him and being at that press conference last week, what I loved about what he said was, it's not about the money. He lost over 10 million quid for not fighting Vladimir Klitschko in the rematch. Let's not forget that, because he had mental health issues at the time. He said, it's not about money. It's not about glory. It's just about himself now. And he is fighting his own demons by coming back in. The longer Tyson Fury stays active in boxing, the better the man is going to be. And he is great fun to be around. And I believe... I don't know what Macklin thinks, because I'm going to go for Macklin, I fear, with my own kind of razor blade. He beats Anthony Joshua, he beats Wilder, he beats Dillian White, he beats David Hay, he's the number one. I, 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 can't, I can't disagree. He's I not going to disagree, because he's disagree. an NTK fighter. He's not going to disagree. Just that. I, I, I call it as a see it, and that's what I'm known for. I'll always say the truth, but... You know, he's had two years out, so we just don't know. Yeah. But if, if he can get back to where he was when he beat Klitschko, I believe he's the best heavyweight in the world. Mm. If, but that's a big if, you know. Yeah. Seldom do people take two years out and come back better than they were, you know. But if he can, you know, to come back 90%, 95%, 80%, this is the million-dollar question that we don't know the answer to. But if he gets back to where he was, then... Uh, you know, Tyson Fury. If the Tyson Fury beats Vladimir Klitschko, I think he can beat any his of His reflexes ways. and reactions are back. If his reflexes and reactions are there, Adam, I think he does it. Well, let's just give a little bit of a synopsis of where the heavyweight division is at at this moment in time, because since Anthony Joshua obviously beat Joseph Parker and added a third, or some people will say a fourth trinket to uh, his mantelpiece, uh, there's been a, a few things. Boxing politics does like to get in the way of a few things, doesn't it? Of me getting my dream of an undisputed champion. These guys throwing mandatories at people all ne uh, left, right and centre. So I'm just going to give a little bit of background, all right? So the WBA, which uh, Anthony Joshua currently holds, they've mandated a fight between AJ and Povetkin. Uh, now, the WBA rules state that unifications can no. kind of supersede no. uh, that situation. So we've got 30 days, basically. We've got until May the 5th to either negotiate a fight between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, because he's the other champion, the WBC champion, or we then have to have Anthony Joshua versus Povetkin. 
Or Anthony Joshua then says, well, I don't want to be the WBA champion anymore and chucks it in the bin and then carries on with where he's going to go. I don't think he's going to do that, if I'm honest. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Anthony Joshua wants to become undisputed heavyweight champion. And, 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 and he's got a great chance of doing that. You know, I think he can beat Wilder, but I also think Wilder can beat Anthony Joshua. And you know, Wilder's a massive point. That's a gun show, isn't it? It's a, it's a good, that, that, that's where Herbert lands big first, really. I, but, yeah, but, you know, we're going back to Tyson Fury because we've got to bring him into the mix of things. Where, where I'm at with Tyson Fury, I think he's the, most, he's the natural fighter of all those people. He's the most talented, the most gifted. He's got the most flair, the most versatility. He can box, he can go southpaw, he's got, he can jab, he can move, he can tie you up. Yeah. You know, but Anthony Joshua, what an athlete. You know, what momentum he's got in his career. He stays in the gym, he lives the life. He's got Rob McCracken, he's had the one trainer. He's got great continuity, consistency, momentum in his career. You know, he is the man, he's the superstar in the division. Is he versatile? Can he do different things? I think he showed in the Parker fight that he can box discipline and stick to tactics. You okay. know, you could you could argue that uh, Parker frustrated him and shown that lateral movement gave him problems, but you could also combat that argument with, well, he won every round, more or less, mm. held the centre of the thing, fought a tactical fight, stayed disciplined, which, you know, over 12 rounds he kept concentrated, stayed disciplined, so it was a good performance in that sense. But how does that, Anthony Joshua, combat what you've just said about Tyson Fury? Because, like you say... Nobody moves like that in the heavyweight division. If it is the same guy that beat uh, Klitschko in Dusseldorf, if it's that guy that we get to see this year, then how does anybody really combat that? Because he moves so differently than well, any other heavyweight that well, I've ever seen. Well, I mean, what, what, I, what I did like, the, what Anthony Joshua did in the, uh, in the fight with Joseph Parker, when he wanted to get to him, he could get to him, he cut the ring off well, but he also didn't... There was no urgency to always do that. Sometimes you've got to give a fighter enough rope to hang themselves. You know, when you, you, sometimes you don't, you don't want to get him yet. It's a 12-round fight. He's doing a lot of moving. Let him tire himself out. Give him enough rope to hang himself. Then when you want to get to him, you want to, want him to engage, you want to make him fight, Ooh. then cut the ring off and get to him. And I thought that Anthony Joshua was very effective in doing that, that he was able to do it when he wanted to. But, you know, Tyson Fury... And Joseph Parker, to me, there's, you know, they're worlds yeah, apart in terms absolutely. of ability. We're going to continue this conversation about the heavyweight division in a moment or two because you can hear it all going a little bit crazy in the background. We're in the Echo Arena tonight, by the way, uh, for Fight Night Live. Amir Khan versus Phil Greco, but there's a Commonwealth title on the line in the ring at this moment in time between Tommy Coyle and Masha Dodd. I'm just going to get a quick update from our commentator, uh, Don McGuinness. It just went a little bit crazy there for a second, didn't it? Well, just seconds remaining of round three, and Tommy Coyle has just had an excellent round. Fantastic work to head and body, and Masha Dodd was all over the place. Lost his senses momentarily. The referee, Bob Williams, was well-placed, but Masha Dodd was in awful trouble. He has managed to hang on in there. An excellent round for Coyle, but Masha Dodd, he is so... Well, he almost went to the wrong corner. I don't think he's quite got his senses back. This has been... Excellent from Tommy Coyle so far, using his superior skills, working the jab extremely well, something I know that his team have been working on with Carl Frampton in all the sparring that they've been doing. And Mashadod has looked out of his depth. He's the biggest, stronger man in there, yeah. no doubt about that, and Coyle has to be aware of that, but Coyle has boxed extremely cleverly. He doesn't always stick to a plan, that's Tommy's problem, and he's been chinned before we know that. So Mashadod is still in this fight. That was a huge round for Coyle, some very, very heavy shots to head and body, and as I say, Mashadod was stumbling all over the place, but he survived. But this one is boiling nicely. Beautiful. Dom, he's going to be calling the fight for us a little bit later on, Amir Khan, Phil LeGreco, live and exclusive commentary on TalkSport, your home for boxing. Fight Night Live, exclusive commentary of Amir Khan versus Phil LeGreco, live on TalkSport. Now you listen to Fight Night Live from the Echo Arena in Liverpool. I'm Adam Cattrall. It's a pleasure to be with you. And what a fight 
we've currently got going on in the ring here in the in the main arena for the Commonwealth title in the lightweight division. It's Tommy, uh, Tommy Boom Boom Coyle against Masha Dodd. Don McGuinness, you're keeping an eye on this for us because we're continuing on with our programme, my friend. A knockdown there in that round. How did Masha get up? Well, that's what he's all about. This fella just doesn't know when he's beaten Masha Dodd because Tommy, living up to his nickname of Boom Boom, it was a big right-hand boom, and that rock Dodd put him all over the place. He was doing the Bambi on ice routine, and Coyle followed it up, and it was a left upper hook uppercut that put Masha Dodd on the seat of his pants, he was all at sea, he got up at the count of nine, Bob Williams, he told him he was okay, he let it carry on, there were seconds of the round, Coyle is totally in control, he's boxed beautifully as we enter the fifth round of this, he sometimes loses his concentration, that's why it's so fascinating, and for all the reasons we just mentioned, that Masha Dodd, he is just such a lion, will just keep going, that was a heavy knockdown that Coyle scored in that fourth round, but still, Dodd is there, still he's trying to claim centre of the ring, but Coyle's used the jab superbly well, he's been in and out, he's made Masha Dodd miss, it's been an extremely impressive showing from Coyle so far, and a shutout in terms of rounds as well, and obviously a big, big 10-8 round in the last one. Unbelievable fight this, I'll tell you something, Masha is in some shape, he's, uh, he looks, I wouldn't say fresh as a daisy, but he looks like he's, uh, he's, He's hanging on in there, he's hanging on in there, that's, that's something. I listen to Fight Night Live here at the Echo Arena uh, in Liverpool, ringside by the way, I've just seen him uh, loitering in the background. Uh, Kel Brook, hopefully we'll get to talk to Kel in the not too uh, distant future, uh, because I've no doubt he will be uh, making a little bit of noise if Amir Khan is looking flashy in any way, shape or form tonight in our main event which you can hear live and exclusive on TalkSport. Live commentary on that with Don McGuinness and Matt Macklin uh, coming up a little bit later on. Uh, now then, let's get back to uh, our conversation about heavyweights, Gareth. Uh, we were just touching upon, obviously, the situation with the uh, WBA and Tyson Fury and AJ. Uh, the IBF have also mandated uh, Dillian White to fight Kubrat Pulev. We're hearing that's going to be the O2 on July 21st. That's an eliminator. Again, that's another belt that uh, AJ holds. I'm going to throw something out there, right? Because I don't think that AJ Deontay Wilder is going to get made before May the 5th. So I'm going to throw this your way. I think we'll see AJ versus Dillian White before we see AJ versus Deontay Wilder. What's well, your thoughts? It's not a bad call, Adam. And I spoke to Shelley Finkel, Deontay Wilder's one of his three advisors yesterday, and he said there was going to be a counter offer. Sorry, it was Thursday. There would be a counter offer coming to Eddie Hearn within 48 hours. Now, Eddie has told me he hasn't had that counter offer yet. They offered 8.8 .8 million pounds to yeah. Deontay Wilder. I think they're after 12 to 15. Um, but I don't think the fight will happen. It's the merry, phony war of words, the dance that we're going to get before they fight next year. I think it'll be Jarrell Miller in August. Jarrell Miller's number three, you remember, with the WBA, IBF and WBO. I think it'll be Jarrell Miller in New York in August. I do too, I do too. And, and, and then I think he fights possibly on the west coast of America before Christmas, maybe Vegas and then probably back in Wembley. Because it just builds wilder the whole you know, time. It builds remember, it in America and it builds it here. You've got to remember, Gareth, it was nearly three years when the, when the Golovkin-Canelo fight finally happened from when it was meant to happen. Five years for Mayweather and Pacquiao, remember? Yeah. Look how big that was at the end of that time, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, if we're going even further back in the heavyweight divisions, you like to Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis, and those types of fights yeah. took a long, long period of time uh, to make it. We like narratives, in a way, but... At the moment, we know that boxing in this country is booming, so therefore we're thirsty for it, aren't we? And therefore, maybe the new eyes, the new fans that have come into the sport, they don't necessarily understand the politics or the TV rights that get in the way of all these types of things. 
they get a little frustrated with it, and, it, and you can understand it really, it is a bit frustrating. It does, it can frustrate them, and it is frustrating, but it also it just makes it bigger when it finally happens, and these things have to be built, these super fights have to be maximised, and I think that Gerald Miller, New York, in August, you're fighting prime time in the States. You know, you know what? It's, a, it's another, Mama, you know, who does a pay-per-view in the UK at four or five in the morning. Mm. We're, we're, we're all still going to get up and watch it. We're still going to buy the pay-per-view to watch Andy Joshua. That's a rolling stone now. Gerald Miller is also a natural 300-pound man. You know him. He's a massive guy. He's got hands like buckets. He's a great talker. He'll really sell that fight. He's from Brooklyn. It'll really sell. And you know what? I could see a dramatic night with Joshua going down, getting up, beating Gerald Miller and capturing the American audience. And, and you know what, there'll be huge fans, there'll be massive influx of fans travelling over the fight. You know, the Hatton era was something special. It was Absolutely. great to be a part of it, All the, everyone travelling over there to support him. You know, then the credit crunch came, World Recession, that was a big one. You know, now everyone's doing well again, people are earning money, Anthony Joshua is a rolling stone. He goes to America, there'll be thousands from England going over there to watch him and to support him. And I think if he goes there again in November or December to Vegas, yeah. I think you'll get the same people going again, I really do. Then I think it leaves it wide open to come back and fight in May in Wembley, possibly against Wilder. Just on that, because I have conversations, and you do as well, with many fight fans that say, well, hang on a minute. Anthony Joshua's doing 90,000 tickets in Wembley. Why does he need to go to America? Let's be honest. Traditionally, you crack America, you crack the world of sport. You crack the heavyweight division. And also, the pay-per-views over there, they pay a few more quid for it, and there's a lot more people. So the big, big money, if we're really honest, the Mayweather type of money is in America. It's a bigger market. There's 200 million people that live in America. Boxing's huge, you know, in America. And, you know, the, the, the fact is... If the fight's on in America at 10 o'clock and it's on at 3 3 a.m. in the UK, yeah. it nearly makes it bigger. We're all everyone's staying up waiting to watch the Let's be honest about this as well. We we know how big Joshua is here in the UK. He isn't big with the American public yet. And and, no, and the it needs fights to over there. He needs to connect to that and market. Exactly. He needs to do the chat shows, have the fights, and just engender himself to an American audience. Then when Wilder does come here or they fight over there, we got the big American audience. This is what we're talking about, how the fight get built this is how this is the the scaffolding if you like before a super fight happens I think I've spoke many occasions on this particular show Four, two, about seeing three, Bruno and Tyson four, in the early hours five, of the morning seven, in round, seven, round 1989 eight, you can hear a count nine. going on at this moment in time because Masha Dodd is down again let's just get a quick update quick update with Don McGuinness this one's nearly all over Tom McCoy's gonna finish this one in the sixth round Masha Dodd is all over the place he's just been floored with a huge right and Coyle is gonna finish the job Dodd is on the ropes the referee's poised the towel comes in from Danny Kelly in the corner and Tommy Coyle has stopped Sean Masha Dodd in the sixth round of what has been an imperious display from Tommy boom boom Coyle he said he'd be clever he said the work with Frampton in the gym in Astley on the edge of Manchester would work to his effect he was too good for Masha Dodd tonight Tommy Coyle he used his head he used his skills he used his jab and that was a fantastic finish he had Dodd all over the place in round four Dodd we know what he's all about he was going nowhere but that was just too good too clinical the right hand put Masha Dodd completely out of it he got up he didn't know where he was the referee allowed him to carry on debatable whether he should have done he only made it to the counter nine he said he was okay but then it was all over Tommy Coyle has done the job he's done it superbly well and Matt Macklin you could say that's his finest ever performance I would say so you know you know what you know what Tommy Coyle he's always had good boxing skills technical ability we know he's got a big heart and he digs in what his performances have often lacked is discipline 
Today, he, today he fought with discipline. He boxed a controlled performance, and it was a, it was a brilliant right hand that uh, dropped him, and, and, and then and then he closed the show and finished really well. He's in tears in the ring now. He's calling for his dad. He wants his dad, Nigel Travis, who's in the corner with him tonight. Jamie Moore, of course, on other business tonight. He has done the business. His dad is now getting in the ring. There's going to be a big embrace, and obviously everybody just wants to make sure Mashadot's okay, and he is. And as they've been doing all week, the two men, both in the white shorts with blue and red trim. They cuddle in the middle of the ring and they're doing a little lap of honour, which is only right, because Mashadod, he was in there. He always looked, actually, in that sixth round, he caught Coyle with a left hand. And it was that vulnerability that's always made Coyle, like our main event, Amir Khan, box office, because he can be caught. And he did get caught, but he came back with the sweetest right hand he's ever thrown. Yeah, I mean, hats off to Mashadad, he dug in, he fought back, he, he landed a good left hook there, which certainly stuck Tommy Coyle in his tracks. We thought maybe the tide was turning, possibly, but no, it, Tommy Coyle was a very dominant winner tonight, dominant performance, boxed really well. Like I say, it was a disciplined performance, he kept everything behind the jab, he didn't let, get a rush of blood to the head and let his heart overrule his head, he stuck to his tactics and it was a really good performance. Outstanding performance, new Commonwealth champion Tommy Coyle. I tell you something, look at what it means to him as well. We'll talk about this again in the not too distant future on the show. Make sure you stick with us. It's Fight Night Live from the Echo in Liverpool. We've got Amir Khan and Phil Agreco coming up very, very shortly. Uh, before we get to there, though, there has been a bit of football tonight. Cardiff taking on Forest. Lawrence Mora, what's the full time? All over here at the Cardiff City Stadium and it's finished Cardiff 2, Forest 1. The Bluebirds taking a huge step towards the Premier League. But my goodness, they made hard work of this. After a really poor first half now, Sean Morrison did the skipper's duty, launching himself at a corner and powerfully heading home. Zahor hit the post just after half-time and then came the sucker punch. Forrest Lee and Brickcut finishing off a lovely pass from Osborne. Cardiff didn't roll over though, they rolled up their sleeves and they fought for their lives. Aaron Gunnison volleying into the net right in front of the baying Canton stand. Forrest missed a big chance late on when Osborne's pass was behind Velios. He should have really shot himself to be quite honest. But Cardiff hold on, back-to-back -back wins. They go a point above Fulham into second place and they have a game in hand at Derby on Tuesday. All over here, Cardiff 2, Forrest 1. Fight Night Live, Khan versus Greco, exclusively on TalkSport, the home of boxing. Fight Night Live, exclusive commentary of Amir Khan versus Phil LoGreco, live on TalkSport. Uh, we are live at the Echo Arena in Liverpool. Amir Khan versus Phil LaGreco is our main event. You're going to be a live and exclusive commentary here on TalkSport with Don McGuinness and Matt Macklin. I'm Adam Catterall. It's a pleasure to be with you alongside Gareth A. Davis. We've witnessed, kind of out the corner of our eyes, gentlemen, an absolute cracker for the Commonwealth belt. What I like, what I want to point out there, there's a lot made in this game about world titles. I, for one, love local area titles, British titles, Commonwealth titles, those type of titles. And you can see on Tommy's face at the end what it meant to him. This is a guy that's been through the ringer, he's done the rounds, and I'll tell you something, you correctly called it there, Matt. I think that's the best performance of his career, mate. I think it was his best performance. And you know what, he, he's always fought with a lot of heart, you know he's got a lot of ability. But sometimes he lets his heart overrule his head and he, he falls apart tactics-wise. You know, and he dro drops down to the zone. He just fights the wrong fight so many times. But tonight, I thought he fought a very disciplined fight. He stuck to his tactics. And technically, he was, land he was slipping outside, mashed Dodd's jab and encountering the right hand all night long. That was what caused the knockdown. That's what shook Dodd to his boots. The bell saved him a little bit, but he didn't really recover in the minute's break. I think 
He's such a rugged fighter. I think his style was always going to work on the inside against Masher in this fight. You know, as you say, against Gary but it was Sykes. His boxing uh, this time. It was his but, boxing that but, impressed but, me tonight. But, but, Gary. But, he was, but he was. But he was disciplined. But but what he did was he was rather like we were talking about. Conor Ben should have done earlier tonight. Give himself a little bit more space to work. Um, and and you know, the great thing is about Coyle. I remember the disappointment he felt at not fighting Luke Campbell in the right way. Gary Sykes, some of these other fights he's had in the past, you know, these losses, Derry Matthews. He, this is you a know, guy... He, he's, a, he's an emotional fighter, Gary, and I can identify with that because I was a bit like that myself at times and I fought with my heart as opposed to my He head. was also saying to me that, that the weather has been really bad for this vegetable crop for his market <laughs> stall as well. So he's going to be going back with a smile on his face. But, but he, you know, like I say, he's an emotional fighter, but tonight he, he didn't let the emotions overrule the thinking. He stuck to the, the tactics and he boxed a clever fight. And it was a really probably the best performance of his career, to be honest. That is hard to do, though, isn't it? Like you said, it's, you, get, you get under the lights. It's all right doing it in the gym. And he's probably looked a million dollars in the gym because we've spoken to Jamie on many occasions. He said, oh, he's flying, he's flying. But I've heard that he's been flying many, many times. When the lights are on, there's all these people screaming, screaming your name. It's very hard not to get emotionally involved, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, you, especially if you're that type of fighter, we get, it's easy to drag Tommy Coyle into a fight. Exactly. Like I say, I relate to that. It was easy to drag me into a fight. But when he did stick to his tactics, he stuck to his boxing, he kept it at range. It, what a brilliant performance to put on. That's why we like watching you, Matt. Because <laughs> you went in for a fight, man. You, you, you did. <laughs> No, but again, this comes back down to characters. We were talking about Tyson Fury before. I mean, look at these two. We're currently watching them on the screen now. Masher and Tommy Coyle, side by side, having a little bit of a crack, having a little bit of a chat with each other. They're both big, big family men. I mean, Masher's yeah. lad sat on his knee. Wearing a Batman outfit. Tommy's lad was actually stood next to me, yeah. filming the, the ring call at the end. The whole, both families seem to be getting on like a house on fire. For me, this epitomises this sport that we absolutely love. Sometimes it can boil over, sometimes it can get nasty. This is what it's all about, 100%. These two will be in the bar later on, having a pint with each other, won't they? They, they will. I mean, it, funnily enough, but doing interviews with them earlier in the week for one of the betting agents, um, when they were doing their um, workouts in the, in the Hilton earlier in the week, that while we were interviewing one, he was giving the other guy Jip in the ring. I think we were interviewing Coyle, and, and Dodd was doing his workout in the ring, but coming over to the corner and giving him a bit of lip. But you know what? All the way through, as you say, the Batman and, and, and the Superman outfits in the January press conference. They're sitting, you know, they will fight again. I think, I think, I, I can see Masha Dodd there. He's sitting there with his head on his son's, back of his son's head, terribly emotional and upset. Wants another crack at him. And you never know with Tommy, you might give him another crack. Yeah, I mean, tonight it was Tommy Coyle's night. He, yeah. fought, the, he fought a great fight and it, his tactics that came off, they worked from a treat. You know, Masha Dodd. Maybe, maybe, was it Masha Dodd got it wrong or was it Tommy Coyle got it right? Maybe a little bit of both. But Tommy Coyle, it's Tommy Coyle's night. Hats off to him. It was a great performance. And like, like you said at the build-up, sometimes you don't need the trash talk. If the trash talk's genuine and it just happens that way, well, then that's the way it goes. And we all love a bit of that sometimes. But it's, always, it's also good to see two people sitting down at the end of the fight with the utmost respect for each other. And, uh, and you know, the kids are there and everything else. And it's great to see because that's what it's all about as well. I know we mentioned a little earlier on about, um, obviously, Anthony Joshua going to America and various things like that. And that you go to America because that's where the big dollar is. There's a, it's a bigger market and what have you. But every now and again, here in little old Britain, we serve up some crackers, don't we? You know what I mean? We do okay for ourselves. And that was, I mean, the fans are going to go on tonight. No matter what happens in the Amir Khan fight, they'll definitely talk about that one. 
Oh, there's no question, but I think they will talk about, like you say, it's, it's, it, that was very much Coyle's fight in there. He had Dodd down twice. I mean, Dodd, Dodd rallied a couple of times. But, you but, know, but it was a dominant performance. Oh, it really it was. It was, it was a brilliant performance in many ways. I'm actually excited for Tommy Coyle now. Watching that performance, I know that we've got some real good guys at Lightweight. Real good guys. Do you know what it is? I just... Tommy Coyle, he looked really good tonight, but then you've got the likes of Luke Campbell and Cruller. He's not, he's not that level, is he? he's just quite up there. Even though he gave Luke Campbell yep. a good fight, I think since then, Luke Campbell's gone on, hasn't he? For Linares, I think he's stepped up his yep. game and gone to another level. But, you know, it, tonight, Mashad had good fight, been in some great fights, but... Tommy, it was all about Tommy Coyle tonight. I mean, it was a it was a good fight, and Dodd was tough, and he took his bumps and bruises, and he played his part. But it was a dominant Tommy Coyle performance. But th these are the kind of fights that are going to be the precursors to the big Amicam fights. Let's look at the lightweight division. Mikey Garcia, WBC oh, champion. Of course, yeah. Jorge Linares, Vasil Lomachenko. I was just talking British level. I thought well, you meant you wanted to send Tommy No, not at all. Not at all. Sacrificial no, to one of these No, not at all. I'm talking on the British level is no, what I was talking. And, and, like, and you're right, Adam. On the British level, you, we, we get some great fights some of the best fights that are on uh are here that happen in the uk that are on sky or bt or any of the yeah. sorts they're used a lot of the time they're british top fighters and the reason that is because you get two young fighters that are still improving that has to fight his mandatory challenger mm -hmm. so these are people that if you were managing them you would never put them against each yeah. other but because they both want to be british champ one's british champion the other one wants to be british champion they end up coming against each other paths cross at the early stage in their career when they're still improving and everything's on the line where you know, a lot of the fights when you're coming through at that stage, they're, they're relatively hand-picked opponents. Uh, let's get ringside because Don McGuinness has hopefully got both of the boys uh, that have just been in that fight. Well, Don, well, over well, to you, mate. Well, I have indeed, yeah. I've got the victorious Tommy Coyle and Sean Mashadod, who's obviously bitterly disappointed. But firstly, fellas, the way you two have carried on throughout the training camp, all through fight week, you delivered again. And again, it's just been a joy to see you both. Nobody wanted a loser tonight. And I think you are both winners. I know it's a cliche, but Tommy, obviously, you've got the belts now. You did what you said you were going to do. You said you're going to be disciplined and smart. That's got to be your best performance of your career. Would you agree? I think so, yeah. You know, all these lessons that I've learned have been blessings. I don't believe in mistakes. Everything happens for a reason. And tonight, all those hardships, all that adversity, I used it. Um, and uh, I come out here and I put in a best career performance. I mean, it was some stoppage as well. You'd just been caught by a, a left hook, actually, was, by Sean, just you before you, the, you the fight ended. I'm going to say something, and I'll tell him this while he sat next to me. I hit him with some good shots in there, and when I backed him up to the ropes, I knew I couldn't knock him completely out. So do you know what I thought? I thought, barrage of punches and a referee will jump in. That was the only way I think I would have got rid of him, because he would have kept getting up. Well, Sean, you did show what you've always shown in your career, that you never know when you've been. Because obviously you were down quite heavily in the fourth, down very heavily in that sixth, but you wouldn't, you, as Tommy said, it was never going to be a case of you being knocked out tonight, was it? No, and, you know, even when I spar lads and stuff like that, one thing I've got is I can take a good punch, so I felt all right. I, I thought, I thought, you know, you get hit with the shot, you get stung, you get up, you get on with it. Um, he's experienced, he got it right, you know, he threw a bad edge in and uh, he do, he he done the right thing and he you know he, he nailed it and uh, I'm just I'm just I'm gutted I'm busy this but I, I, I can't say I don't feel like I've lost because I've gained a great friend and I've I've, I've, I've you know I've learned so much from Tommy on the build up and I will take a lot from this fight as well in experience so I haven't lost I, I've gained a good a good friend from this so now you know boxing's uh, it, you know it, it's 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 a job and 
You know, sometimes you have a bad day at the office, and sometimes you have a good day. I had a bad day at the office today, but I was, it wasn't like a bad day. It was I was beaten by the better man, a great man, and uh, you know I, I'm happy with it. I'm not going to go you know, kick myself too much about it. Just going to come back, um, build on it, and, uh, and 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 hopefully you know come back a bigger and better person from it. Not surprisingly, nice words from Sean about yourself there, Tommy. You've not stopped cuddling each other all week. We were wondering whether we would get a fight. You did deliver that. What's next for you now? I don't know, I just said to Eddie there, I, I nearly walked away from the sport last year. Um, I've, I've been in hospital twice after both my last fights, and um, I've got two kids. I don't need to box. I've got a very good business. Is this your, is this your lady? Is this your lady? Is this sorry, your lady? Tom. Yeah, it's me missus here, Tom. You best say sorry to her, come in. So sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Tommy's saying sorry to you. Guys. <laughs> But no, I, I don't need to box. I box genuinely because I love it. I love putting up the laces and having a fight. But I don't know, I'm going to talk to my wife. I've surpassed any goals I ever had. And um, I'm just thrilled. I want to enjoy the win. And uh, I'll make some decisions with a clear head. Let's just have a word with Nigel Travis, who's in your corner. I know you're a very tight team, yourself and Jamie Moore, who's with Carl Frampton tonight. You were the voice in the corner. You were telling me this week as well what was going to happen, and you were right. I mean, how pleased are you? How are you delighted with this man and his discipline tonight? Yeah, I think that's the word, discipline. It would be very easy, you know, to get dragged in, as you've seen him do before, and at countless times. But he was the biggest tonight because he stood to the game plan, a game plan that we've worked through for 12 weeks. 12 weeks his kids been in camp and he's been and he's been machine like so we're it's a blessing and, and i'm immensely proud of both these kids they're both friends obviously masha we know masha of old and they're an example of how boxing should be done true men have a fight nice thank you very much gentlemen you've been a credit thank you very much indeed all the very best adam back to you Dom, you summed it up, my friend. They have been a credit. Pair of them there sharing stories, cuddling each other, saying that they've been friends for life now and what have you. Looking forward now to the main event. What a fantastic little starter for the main event now that we've got. It is the comeback of Amir Khan. He's taking on Phil LaGreco. It's Fight Night Live from the Echo Arena with me, Adam Catterall. If you need revving up even more than this, take a listen. Here comes the Olympic pride of England, the defending champion, Amir King Khan! It's the start of a good finish. See, there's going to be some big fights, get the LeGreco fight out of the way. I'm just going to go in there and just give him a boxing lesson. Because I know skillfully I'm a better fighter. I'm quicker than him, I'm stronger than him. So all of that is just being smart in there and, 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 and picking him off at the right time. Khan's exquisite boxing. A lot of these loose ones from Alexander the Glass are coming back with rapid shots. Big up again. After this fight, we're going to slowly step up and, like I said, maybe in the future it's all like hell broke. I mean, these are the fights I want now. It's all about finishing on top and winning another world title. We are live at the Echo Arena in Liverpool. This is Fight Night Live on TalkSport, your home for boxing. I'm Adam Catrell. It's a pleasure to once again be in your company to bring you another absolute 
bumper fight night. It is the return of Amir Khan. He's taking on Phil LaGreco tonight. Alongside me, Gareth A. Davies, on commentary tonight, Matthew Macklin and Don McGuinness. We've got the full fight, exclusive on TalkSport, very, very shortly. I assume you can hear in the background uh, that the arena is just about bubbling over. We spoke about this quite a lot, Gareth, actually, tonight, about the different type of fan in this evening. He has transcended the sport. For the last two years, he's been out and about doing various other things, whether it be photo shoots with his missus in a low magazine or whether it be in the jungle eating, you know what? Can't say half of it on the radio, sadly. Can you say widgety grub? I think we can say widgety grub, yeah. He's been doing a little bit of that, and kind of, uh, a lot of people that he shared the jungle We are ringside tonight. I've just seen Dennis Wise walk past me. Um, he is bringing new eyes to the sport. You said to me, off there before we started tonight, he's the second biggest name in British boxing. Would you go along with that still? Absolutely he is. Uh, Amir Khan is a crossover star. Um, he's the biggest name outside um, Anthony Joshua in British boxing. He's still a global star in many ways. He's crossed over, but tonight he has to cross back because this is the key tonight. He's got to put on a clinic. We saw him mm. in his Land Rover when we nipped yeah, out yeah. to the loo, coming in, and you saw me bang on the window and say, clinic tonight, please, clinic, because that's what he's got to deliver. Well, I think he needs a statement, you know. Tommy Cole needed a disciplined performance. Amir Khan needs a statement performance. You know, yeah. he's not just good enough to come out here and beat Phil LeGreco, that's not enough. Kel Brook, a few weeks ago, come out and put on a performance against Sergei Rabchenko. Amir Khan has to do the same. Yeah, but That's if he puts on a clinic, Mac, he will stop him by the eighth or ninth round. Yeah, but listen, he doesn't have to come out and blow him away in two. No. Maybe it's a clinic, but it has to be, uh, you know, you've got to be walking away from him going, God, he looked a million dollars. It's got to be a statement of sorts. Speaking of those fans, new eyes to the sport, maybe. Dennis Wise, I mentioned a couple of moments ago. Don McGuinness is actually with him. Yeah, I am ringside now. I, I, I've got the former Chelsea legend, Dennis Wise. But of course, you're here for a reason. Tell us, Dennis. I'm here because I want Amir to win. And I want him to knock Legreco straight out. Now, just tell us about your experience of bonding with Amir in the jungle. Do you know what, right? I spent half an hour with him earlier on. And it was lovely to hear about what he's done, what he's achieved, what he's... Uh, trying to get out of tonight you know it was absolutely fantastic i also spent time with amir in the jungle and i knew amir as amir which was um, amazing it was lovely to meet the guy he's a really really lovely kind thoughtful guy and we've all come here to support him and you know what i want to see him win so badly and so do these guys vanessa oi, vanessa oi. white oi, oi. <laughs> another big fan yes Obviously, we love him here, but he's obviously going to win. We're here to support him. We're very excited. Can't wait. That's a jungle reunion, isn't it? It's fabulous. It's so, lovely. As, a, as an athlete yourself, he's had two years out. He's been doing things like the jungle. Le Greco feels that he's living the life of luxury. He can't get himself up for fights anymore. He won't have the hunger. He was hungry in the jungle. Do you think he's still got it? Le Greco's going to find out tonight, trust me. You know, I was with him earlier, and he talked about what he wanted to do. And when he was in the jungle with us, obviously he spent a lot of time and he thought about things. And the only reason, obviously, he had a few problems with his hand. And he couldn't quite sort his hand out. And he's got it sorted out. And that's what he needed to do. He was desperate to get back to boxing because that's what he loves. And tonight, hopefully, he's going to show everyone what they're missing. Will Chelsea be meeting Manchester United in the final of the FA Cup? I think so. I'm actually doing the game tomorrow, so I'm praying they will because I'm looking forward to that because a good friend of mine, Jamie Lomez, who's here tonight as well and was in the jungle, is a Man United supporter. Yeah, he's, he's also Hold a big on. Pals, big, big pals with Jamie Lomez. We've got Rebecca Vardy here. 
We've got Jamie Vardy. Jamie's Jamie's ringside as well, Jamie. So you're a big boxing fan? No, not really. <laughs> so why are you here tonight? Just my love of boxing. <laughs> okay, well that makes an awful lot of sense. <laughs> big year for you as well. You want Amit to do the business, then you want to be on that plane to Russia, don't you? Yeah, obviously we've come here to um get Amir here a bit of encouragement and hopefully hopefully he'll obviously get the win that he deserves tonight and knowing him what he wants, I'm guessing he's definitely looking at that Kell Brook fight. No prediction Amir wins, Rebecca? I'm hoping so, otherwise we're all going to look a bit stupid. <laughs> well, listen, the main man's in the ring, Michael Buffer. Back to you, Adam. Dom, thank you very much. I'll tell you something, it really is a who's who. A who's who at ringside for tonight's comeback of Amir Khan. Two years nearly outside of the ring. He hasn't fought in the UK for the best part of five years. You can hear the boos ringing around the ring at this moment in time because his opponent, Phil LaGreco, is making his way to the ring. I agree with Matthew Macklin. Amir does need a massive statement tonight. Kel Brooks kept his side of the bargain. He blew away Rabchenko within two rounds. I'm not saying that Amir Khan needs to blow the kid away, but he does need to put on a clinic. And I think if he puts on a clinic, we might even see LaGreco pull himself out of this fight. Very similar to something like a Lomachenko and a Rigondeau. Something like that. That's what we need from Amir Khan. We need an absolute world of a clinic. Phil LaGreco, by the way, is making his way to the ring. He's had 32 fights. 29 of those he has won. Three of those he has lost. Gareth, every time he's stepped up, he's fallen short. He has. He's fallen short against Errol Spence. Uh, listen, some of these fights have been on short notice. He's been a journeyman most of his career. Errol Spence, Sean Porter, but he's in against an elite fighter in Amir Khan again. He's going to struggle, in my view. Fair play to him for being here tonight. It is, uh, what you could say, a partisan crowd. Everybody here for the return of King Khan. You've just heard from a few celebrity voices looking around the arena at this moment in time. It's absolutely packed. There's a stat regarding the Echo Arena that it's never sold out fully for a fight in the past. Darren Till of the UFC has recently done that. He's fighting on the 27th of May. His fight against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson sold out within a matter of minutes. And we are told by Eddie Hearn that at the back end of this week, every single ticket in the Echo Arena has been sold for the return of Amir Khan. That in itself should tell you everything that you need to know about this guy. He's an extremely popular fighter. His face has just come up on the big screen as he's making his way out of his dressing room to the top of the ring walk. Over to Michael Buffer, I think, for a ring announcement that is going to raise the roof. The camera phones are ready. Are you ready at home? You are listening to TalkSport, your home for boxing. This is Fight Night Live with me, Adam Catterall. And now making his return to the ring in the United Kingdom after five years, the young man from Bolton, the silver medalist, Amir King is about to make their way to the ring. I kind of like the theatre of all this. 
We used to get this quite a lot with Prince and the Zim Ahmed. The pause at the top of the ring wall. We had a good 30, 40 seconds there where Amir Khan waited. The short ring walk from the top of the Echo Arena as he makes his way to the ring, through the ropes, and into this cauldron of fire. You can hear in the background, the fans are going absolutely crazy for the return of Amir Khan. 35 fights, 31 wins, four losses, 19 knockouts. The 2004 Olympic lightweight silver medalist is now in the ring, hopefully starting a journey to become a world champion once again. Remember, he unified the junior welterweight division. He's never won a title at welterweight. This is maybe where he starts, even though he's fighting slightly above the 147-pound limit with his catchweight with Phil LaGreco. We are set to have an absolute cracker. Your commentary team this evening is three-time world title challenger, Matthew Macklin. But first of all, Don McGuinness. Well, thank you, Adam. Cannot wait for this. And you know it's a big night when Matthew Macklin, with all that he's achieved in the game, has got his phone out. And he's videoing the crowd as well. He's doing the big 360, like everybody else in here at the Echo Arena Liverpool. The beautiful setting. It's a space-like building, sat right on the banks of the Mersey. Brilliant sunshine when we arrived here. Now let's hear the main man in the middle, who is going to officially announce our combatants, Phil LaGreco and Amir King Khan, to the raucous cries of 9,000. And now, before we begin, ladies and gentlemen, tonight's event is dedicated to the memory of a longtime member of the Matchroom boxing team who passed away, Mr. Freddie King. Rest in peace, Freddie. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the time has arrived that we've all been waiting for. Eddie Hearn for Matchroom Boxing is proud to present the main event of the evening. 12 rounds of boxing in the welterweight division. Sponsored by William Hill, StubHub, and JD Sports. And sanctioned by the British Boxing Board of Control, steward in charge, Robert Smith. Timekeeper at the bell, Gary Grennan. The three judges scoring, Michael Alexander, Terry O'Connor, and Bob Williams. And inside the ring, in charge of the action at the bell, your referee, Victor Laughlin. And now the officials are ready. The fighters are in the ring, and they are ready. Boxing fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Introducing first, fighting out of the red corner with his trainer, Fernando Vargas, wearing white with blue and red. Official weight, 10 stone, 9 pounds, 5 ounces. His professional record, 28 victories, including 15 big wins by knockout, only three defeats. From Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the former WBC international welterweight champion, the Italian sensation, Phil Lugreco! And across the ring, his opponent fighting out of the blue corner with his trainer, Joe Goosen, wearing gold with white and green. Official weight, 10 stone, 10 pounds. 
After capturing the Olympic silver medal, he now has a professional record of 31 victories, including 19 big wins by knockout with four defeats. From Bolton, Lancashire, United Kingdom, the former unified light welterweight champion of the world, Amir Okay, boys, you know the rules. Remember, obey my commands at all time. Defend yourselves at all time. God bless. Touch gloves. Let's do it. So all the talking is now over. Victor Lockley, the referee, gives the final instructions. Phil LeGreco goes to his corner, crosses himself for one final time. He's wearing the white shorts with blue and red trim. Always wears the Italian colours on his shorts. He's got the Italian flag trimmed round the rim of his shorts as well. Amir Khan in the opposite corner wearing white with those shorts trimmed with green and gold. Second and blazing in the one. Union flag across that waistband. And Amir Khan is back. He's been out for two years after that devastating knockout to Saul Alvarez. He's back in Liverpool, in the UK. He started brightly already. He's not fought in the UK. Oh, he's got him again! A swift two! And Phil LeGreco's down after barely 15 seconds of round one. A swift one-two straight through the guard. And LeGreco, all at sea, straight away. He's been making some ball predictions and Khan. Well, he needs to settle down a bit. He's got it again. He's got it again. LeGreco's on the rope. Well, what a statement Amir Khan has made in Liverpool. Well, Phil LeGreco talked the talk. Amir Khan didn't let him walk an inch because he's ended this one. He is Amir King Khan. Well, he wants to be back on that throne. He isn't yet, but the road to Kelbrook ringside is on. Matthew Macklin, we didn't even get a chance to bring you into the fight. Done. So swift we, was that. We said we needed a statement. We got a statement. He could not have made a bigger statement than he did. He came out, his hand speed was electrifying, as it always has been. He landed a right hand, Greco went down, never really recovered from it, and he just comes straight in, both hands going, and the, he, he didn't know where he was. It, it, Amir Khan's hand speed is so mesmerising early on. It, it, it's almost unstoppable. You have to be really careful in the first couple of rounds with Amir Khan, because he's got that ridiculous speed. And he just come out, Cora Greco straight away, right hand, shook him to his boots, and he just did not let him off the hook. Are we getting a bit carried away, maybe? Is there a, a situation where potentially, as Kelbrook's being booed now, because he's on the big screen, Kelbrook is being booed, he <laughs> theatrically put his hands, his fingers in his teeth as he said, well, I'm scared. But Kelbrook getting that reaction I mean, here. I mean, you know, let, let's keep things in perspective. Phil Greco isn't Kelbrook. He's not an Errol Spence, he's not... Uh, on that, he's not on that calibre of fighter, but you know what? He is a solid, he is a solid enough fighter. And he came out here, Amikan just blitzed him inside. I don't know, was it 30 seconds, 40 seconds? Well, Phil Greco's gone back to his corner, he's shaking his head in disgust. He's got a little bump above his red eye. I mean, talk about being caught cold. He didn't even get chance to lay anything like. But, but we've seen Amikan do that several times in his career. His hand speed is so mesmerizing early on that he's he's, he's just so dangerous Amir Khan is so dangerous in the first round because of that speed and speed you know speed kills speeds does the damage
Well, Amir Khan came out, he caught Le Greco early with a bit of an uppercut, didn't land flush, but then just a swift one-two through the guard, and Le Greco had no answer. Obviously, he was OK after that count. Victor Lachlan gave him the count. He was shaking his head as if to say, I'm not hurt, as Amir Khan jumps up on the corner. But then, to finish it in the devastating way, then Khan wants the body. Again, just working the body, took his time. Those hands, as you say, Le Greco all over the place, and he fell front down onto his knees, and he was just helpless. Joe Goosen, not wearing double denim tonight, is in his Amir Khan tracksuit. He was in the ring as quick as, and that was, as you say, a statement. But we have to remember that, again, Phil Le Greco just didn't even get into it. It was just over before it began. It, it was over before it started, and Phil Le Greco isn't a world beater. He's a, he's a few levels down from the... The opponent, Amir Khan, has been consistently fighting over the last so many years. But he's been—he's had a tough few years, Amir Khan. He's, been, he's only had a couple of fights in, what, four years. He had the bad last knockout defeat to Canelo. He's knocked out cold. You know, he had, had some personal problems on that side of the ring, but what he's back with a bang tonight. Well, 9,000 in the Echo Arena are on their feet as well. They seem happy enough. Sometimes you get disappointment when a fight goes as short as that. I think everybody is just relieved that Amir Khan is back. Obviously, we want to see him in with better opponents than Phil Greco. We want to see him in with Kelbrook. He wants world titles. Both men now are in the centre of the ring. Victor Lachlan has both by the arm as well. Michael Buffer is poised as well. Phil Greco, he still looks absolutely you know, you dejected. You know what, Dom? Cal Brook upheld his part of the bargain against Ruchenko. Tonight, Amir Khan upheld his side of the bargain. That, that's the fight we want to see now. Can they, see, can they have that straight away, we wonder? These are the questions that we're going to get to, obviously, with Eddie Hearn, who promotes both men, so it's a fight that is eminently doable. But Michael Buffer, who is poised, we're going to get the official announcement. We all are just trying to take a breath and really take in what we've seen here, as are 9,000 people on their feet here. And again, Phil Greco now is calling over his brother, Franco Greco. He's trained at Fernando Vargas, and what a career he had. Again, he looks as shell-shocked as everybody else here as well. And again, you know... You talk about statements, and again, we have to question Phil Greco. He never really saw anything you know, of we, him to We've seen him do it a few times. Demetrius Salieri come out. You know, Amir Khan is so dangerous in the first couple of rounds because his hand speed is, is so mesmerising. He's really dangerous early on. And, you know, Cal Brook, you know, Cal Brook's dangerous early on. Look what he did with Revchenko. But Amir Khan is particularly dangerous in the first couple of rounds because his hand speed is electrifying, and it takes a few rounds to, to acclimatise to it. This is Fight Night Live on TalkSport, your new home of boxing. Amir Khan has returned after a two-year absence from the ring. He was knocked out badly by Canelo Alvarez. Five years since he fought in the UK. He's in Liverpool, and the crowd here have taken to him. They think he is back. And now they're going to hear the official announcement from Michael Buffer to say exactly that in the sweltering heat of the Echo Arena. And it's probably just the lights that have created the little bit of flex of sweat you can see on Amir Khan's body because it certainly wasn't overexertion. He wasn't being paid for overtime. He's made that quite clear and he's got the job done in 30 seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, after an absence of five years to the ring in the United Kingdom, the King, King Khan, has returned to the victory column as referee Victor Lawton calls a halt to the contest. At 39 seconds in the very first round, the winner by TKO victory from Bolton, Amir Well, there you have it. The official verdict from Michael Buffer, 39 seconds, Matthew Macklin. 
And what was he down? It was down after 10, 12. You know, he was uh, he was kind of fainting the jab, left hook, right hand, caught him on the chin, legs went, down he went. And you know what? Amikon was never going to let him off the hook after that. Well, I'm going to make my way ringside and just grab a word with him. The the victorious Amikon. Back to you, Adam. I think your interview, Dom, is going to last longer than the actual fight, my friend. Go and enjoy yourself. Uh, because, Matt, you said right at the start, brother, you wanted a statement. That good enough? <laughs> <laughs> We needed a statement, we needed one. That Cal Brook come out, you know, when, when, when Amir Khan signed with Matt True, everyone's, we, we, let's be honest here, everyone thought, this is the fight, Cal Brook and Amir Khan, this is going to happen now. You know, but listen, they're both coming off bad defeats, you know, ish. You know, Errol Spence, Golovkin, he'd lost two on the bounce. You know, Cal Brook, how is that going to affect him psychologically, the eye damage? And he came out and he looked a million dollars against Sergei Rubchenko. Amir Khan hasn't fought in two years. Bad knockout defeat to Canelo Alvarez the last time we seen him in the ring. Since then, he's took some time out. He has some personal problems. He's been- Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In the jungle, his popularity rose, but he hasn't fought in two years. And the last time we seen him, he was knocked out unconscious. He needed a statement performance. We got it. Do you know what amazed me tonight, Gareth? He looks so good. When we saw him outside, I said, he's too relaxed. If that's even possible. I saw him in his car outside and I said, he's too relaxed. I've seen him on the rim walk and I thought, flipping heck, he looks so chilled in the corner when they were reading his name out. Look at all these people that have come in here for him tonight. Absolutely packed to the rafters for Amir Khan. He looks so relaxed, like he'd never been away. And also nerveless in there tonight, but also... Like you say, it's. Oh, it, 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 it'd have been nervous, Gareth, trust me. But he, he looked he, nervous. But he used the nerves. Yeah, yeah he, he used, used them. them the him. butterflies yeah. were in formation, they, they turned them into dragons. Exactly. And, and, and the thing is about him in this, um, what I loved about it, he had a look in his eye tonight like he meant business. Yeah. He had some beef with LaGreco over things that have been said about his family life, about his private life. And you know what? We were also saying, we've both been close around Amir Khan recently, he's so fresh looking. Yeah, and you know, let's not get too carried away as in Phil LaGreco isn't, you know, a world probably top 10 fighter, but he's a solid enough. He's only lost three times in his career, he's been there with some good fighters, but it was the manner at which he won tonight. He just come out and, you know, within 10 seconds LaGreco was on the canvas. He came out with he came out with a point to prove. Yeah. Yeah, to put it in, pers- in perspective, he is ranked as the 102nd yeah. best welterweight in the world. So yeah. there you go. You know. um, obviously, Kel Brook is ringside, my friend. Yeah. Um, 
what, if anything, does he learn from that fight? Because, as you rightfully said, at some point it's going to get made. I don't know when, but it is going to get made. No, well, I, if I was Cal Brook, I'd be thinking, I've got to be, I've got to be cagey early on. I've got to be careful early on because he, his hand speed is frightening. He's done it, Demetrius Salih. He's done it, Lamont Peterson. He went on to lose the fight, but and it was a great fight. But he did lose couple, that fight. No, it was a close fight. But first couple of rounds, he had Peterson down. Looked like he might have stopped him early on. Amir Khan in the first couple of rounds, probably one of the most dangerous fighters in the world. Ooh. His speed's frightening. But going into tonight's fight, I mean, I thought to myself. Having watched him in the gym last week, I thought, he might be cagey early doors because the nerves might get to him, he might take a little bit of time to get a bit of rhythm going. Flipping heck, how wrong could I be? The rust had gone. But, but see, what can happen there is the nerves can make you start quick. You know, the nerves can make you start quick, yeah. and that's what happened. No, he was absolutely fantastic tonight. Blew his opponent away within a minute. He's currently in the ring addressing the crowd, as you can hear in the background. The cheers are going up left, right and centre uh, for the fan base of uh, Amir Khan. For his stock levels here now in the UK, he has just reminded everybody that he's not a celebrity, he's actually a fighter, and he's a pretty good one. Let me tell you this, right? You, you, our listeners may laugh at this, but when Floyd Mayweather looked at the margins on fighting Amir Khan, look, I think Floyd Mayweather would have beaten Amir Khan, but he would have looked at Camp Khan's hand speed early on at the age of 39 and thought, you know what? I've got to look carefully at whether I fight. A lot of people don't agree no, with that, no, though, I, Matt, I totally know. agree with you. Listen, I, don't, I think Mayweather would have beaten Amir Khan. I think Mayweather would have beaten anyone in but his But there would have been worries. Did. But he looked at Amir Khan and thought, you know what, I beat him, but he's not a good style for me. That's and, what he looked like. and, and the thing is about Amir, listen, I love the fact that Kel got booed when he came up on the screen tonight because it means Kel was really cheered when he won recently against Ravchenko. Khan rise again. Long, the king is dead. Long live the king in boxing. It's unforgiving. We need to get this fight on now. But that's what we get, don't we? I mean, especially if you if you look at the fight that we're going to be covering in a couple of weeks' time, May the 5th, at the O2 Arena, we've got Bellew here too. We've got a good guy, we've got a bad guy. Whichever way you look at it, I mean, some people look at David Hayes, the good guy, that Tony Bellew's the bad guy. It's exactly the same in this fight. Exactly the same. Well, you know, this, Kel Brook this, is now actually in the ring. Wait, These two are going to go face to face at some point here because go. Kel Brook has got himself in the ring. Amir Khan is making some suggestions to the fans at this moment in time. Who would win the fight? Oh, Khan's getting the crowd on his side. I love it. I love this pantomime. This is what sells fights, though, because if you think about down the years, the biggest Look, fights the... in the world, oh, no, no, no. the biggest fights in the world, they need a narrative. Let's just get into the ring because we've got the microphone on this. Let's have a quick listen to what Amir's saying. <laughs> Basically, Amir Khan has just mic dropped, I think that is the term, isn't it? That's a mic exactly drop. what he did. He's, uh, he's given Kel uh, speaking now. He's given Kel Brook about 10 barrels. He's not allowed him to respond. Amir Khan has dropped the mic and walked out of the ring. Kel Brook now is addressing the, the crowd. You can hear in the background that obviously with this being an Amir Khan uh, partisan crowd, Kel Brook is getting uh, 10 bells. I can just see Don McGuinness in front of me, legging it around the ring, attempting to get his hands on Amir Khan or somebody in order to get a little bit of chat. But Amir Khan at this moment in time is making his way back to the ring with a huge entourage, bodyguards and the like, making his way back to his dressing room, should I say, having addressed the crowd post-fight, dropping the mic on Kelbrook. Listen, <laughs> we saw a couple Brilliant. of years ago, I mean, I've, to, I've, to, I've spoken to Tony Bellew about this on many, many occasions, the fight when he fought BJ Flores, kicking the top of the road, all that type of stuff, right? 
that theatre makes big fights. Listen, and we've just seen a little bit of that tonight. Listen, we've seen Masha Dunn and Tommy Coyle, and it's nice to see, but let me tell you, bet, worse than bad enemies sounds better than good friends, and that's just the way it is. And, and you know, it's, and it's nice to see the respect of that, but listen, there's nothing better than an old grudge match. Absolutely. Eddie Hearn's in the ring now with Kelbrook. As you say, Amir Khan has cleared off with an entourage looking after him. Eddie Hearn's now saying that if Amir Khan doesn't take this fight, he's stupid. Kelbrook also said when Khan left, look, I want the fight. We've just seen the fight made here. I remember being in the press room in Las Vegas when Bernard Hopkins and Joe Calzaghe went at it. That was quite similar. You know what, Karen? left a statement. I'm, it's got to happen. I'm going to say this now. I don't, I don't even want to see either guy take an interim fight. No, let's do because it. Because you know what? You, you can't get the scene set any better than no. it is right now. No, I, I, I could not agree more. I personally thought coming into this tonight, we might get a little tune-up for the pair of them. Maybe Cal fighting at a lower weight category because he fought at 154 pounds, maybe something like that. Sack that now. I'm not interested. Straight in. No need for a belt. Straight let's, in. 150 pounds, let's just do it, man. Yeah. Let's get it on, yeah? Totally agree. There you go. We've done the matchmaking. All we need to do now is negotiate the fees. Get I'm, the contracts made. <laughs> honestly, that, that's why, look, that's why in Cardiff, when Anthony Joshua fought um, Joseph Parker, if Deontay Wilder 100%. had done a similar thing, we might have got that fight, you know? Because you, it's inevitable when the two fighters come together, the sparks fly, they go back, then they say, I want to sign, I want to sign. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, and emotions are running high, adrenaline's pumping a million miles an hour. That's when you get the real stuff. It's not scripted, it's not manufactured, it's raw, it's real. There's a reason, and I, I had to make the comparison, but there's a reason why the WWE is the biggest sports entertainment <laughs> industry in the whole of the world. It makes big narratives like that on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, this is real, proper armed combat, but we need a little bit of that narrative just to capture the imagination of the fans. These fans are going away tonight. You know what, I'd like, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to cut you short, Adam, but I've just got to say this. You know, over the years, Amir Khan was the superstar, 17 years old, Olympic Games, turned pro, big deal, ITV, everyone knew him. Cal Brook, talented fighter with the Ingles, learned, you know, come along a bit slower. But you know what? Things change. He, he stepped, he won the world title, he, he defended it several times, he stepped up, he fought Golovkin, he had a great fight with Errol Spence, you know, come off second best, but Errol Spence maybe one of the best fighters in the world right now, pound for pound. Comes back with a brilliant win last week. You know, Cal Brook has earned his stripes, he's on that level now. Amir Khan, you know, he was on the downward slope, let's say, it's kind of two years out, went into the jungle, his popularity has gone back up comes in here tonight, needs to put on a statement performance, and he did it. The scene is set. There you go. Get the fight. Vince on. McMahon's it, done it. He's it, done it. Isn't it funny <laughs> how that? Isn't it funny though how their 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 popularity against each other has seesawed the whole time? And you're kind of alluding to that just then that that Amir Khan before tonight was the least favoured man by British boxing fans against Cal Brook. Now people are going to be going, do you know what? Khan's going to be really dangerous against Brook, who looks a little bit overweight tonight. You know, Khan's on weight, looking very, very clean. Do you know what? The bad thing about boxing is you're only as good as your last of fight. Of course. And you know what the good thing about boxing is? You're only as good as your last <laughs> fight. You know? Listen, uh, Don McGuinness did try to get his hands on uh, Amir Khan, but as we uh, told you, post-fight, he made his way back to the dressing room. So let's get hold of the matchmaker, shall we? Don McGuinness is with Eddie Hearn. Well, I am outside the dressing room now. Eddie Hearn's just having a word with Dennis Wise, but a little bit of chaos, as you saw, because Kelbrook went in the ring, it all went a bit mad, and Amir Khan has got out of the ring the wrong way. He's got a big entourage, and they've rushed him back to the dressing room. So we're waiting for him here. He will come out and talk to us. It's not a problem. But in the meantime, we've got Eddie Hearn. Right. We're still with Eddie Hearn. Now, basically, Eddie, what happened there? Uh, it was so quick. I'm not...
it. Um, I mean, people asked, does Amir Khan still have it? Does he still have the speed? I didn't know he was going to be faster. I mean, that was an absolute demolition job of a guy who a prepared 12 weeks fight of his life in Fula Greco. He didn't even see it. I mean, it was an unbelievable performance. And what a statement back for Amir Khan, nearly five years since he's been in the British ring. That was unbelievable. No, he did look fantastic, but are we maybe getting a bit carried away? Was Phil LaGreco maybe worse than we thought or what? I mean, no. you say he'd had a proper training camp, which he did, but again, it's hard to, is it hard no, to gauge? No, no, Phil, we said in the build-up, Phil is not an elite fighter, he's a world-class fighter, but it was, look at Sean Porter went the distance with, with him. You know, no one's done that to Phil LaGreco like that. No one's done that to any fighter at that level for a long time. That was hugely impressive from Amir Khan to say that he's back. Now, we're obviously going to ask him here, but Kelbrook being in the ring, the pair of them having words, where do you see that fight? How soon? When's it going to happen? Obviously, they're both your fighters yeah. now. Listen, they've both got big fights coming in at 154 and 147, but that's a big fight that I think needs to happen for British boxing. But I think Amir Khan wants to win a world title. Kel Brook wants to win a wide title. Maybe they'll go and do that instead of fight each other. But for now, it's just about tonight. It's about a great performance. It's about a big win for Amir Khan and a big statement to say that he's back and he's back to stay in Britain. Well, we're, we're very privileged on TalkSport because Amir Khan has come out. He's still in his shorts. You've not changed yet, Amir, but it was a bit chaotic there at the end. But firstly, congratulations. That was a stunning performance. Just talk us through it. There was only 39 seconds to talk us through. Yeah, um, I caught him early in the fight. I could see his uh, reactions were very slow. I threw a jab at the start and I could see him that, you know, he wasn't catching the jabs. The speed was causing him big problems. So I thought I'd land a 1-2 and, and I caught him right on the button. Uh, I could see him get hurt and I just finished him off. So, you know, uh, respect to Greco for coming all the way from Canada, America, wherever he came from, to, to England, to fight in front of a full crowd in Liverpool. So, you know, I have to say that it's been two years, but I've not lost a bit, you know I mean? I've not lost anything in me. I've still got the hunger in me, and I want to win a world title again. Eddie's surprised that you look even faster. A two-year break, you yeah. said that you felt your body needed that. Yeah, man. Is that the way you felt in there? That's slightly higher weight as well? Definitely. You know, normally when I fight, I always fight, like, every six months, every four months. My body just needed that break, having that two years out. You know, getting up to, you know, going out, going in the jungle, having some time to myself, enjoying life a little bit. And I came back and wanted to fight. You know, the hunger came back in me. I wanted to get back in the ring. I mean, I remember talking to my dad and saying to my dad, look, when I was in the jungle, I said, look, while I'm in the jungle, Dad, do a deal with Eddie because he's the man in the UK to get me the biggest fights. And that's what we did straight away. Signed a deal and back in the ring again. Now, just summarise the conversation you've just had in the ring with Kel Brook. I mean, it's all, uh, all banter. Look, Kel's a great fighter and I've always respected him. But it's a fight that can happen down the line, definitely. I mean, Kel is a, he's a former world champion. Uh, so am I. I think either we both go our roots and win a world title each or we fight each other. I mean, look, I know the options there. He knows the options there. So we're just going to uh, sit with Eddie, hopefully this week, and see what we'll do next but I think um, I'd love to win a world title at 147 is a division I'm not won a world title at so let's see how it all goes but look the future is bright man I'm He's some back. big, big fights and the main thing is I'm back well let's just have a quick word with Joe Goosen your trainer now, Joe you've only had five weeks with him you have spoken about obviously getting the potential back of Amir Khan, the speed we knew about, he's still got that certainly. How happy are you? Well, I mean, you can't not be delighted, but did we see enough of Amir in there? Or did we see well, enough I, of I think you did. I think you did see enough if you put it in perspective. This is a guy that went the distance with the welterweight champ of the world, Sean Bray Mitchell, and gave him, gave him hell. He's also the guy that gave Errol Spence a little bit of a tussle on three days' notice. You know, he, it took him four rounds or so to get rid of uh, uh, Lo Greco. Um, nobody's really dispensed with him this quickly and with this much efficiency and, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, viciousness. And uh, so I would say that it's a very good indicator 
of Amir's uh, outstanding athleticism and desire to come back and get on top. Well, yes, we only had a five-week camp, but really only a four-week camp. Because the last week you spend, you know, weighing in, cutting weight, um, and not doing a whole heck of a lot. So that was only a month's worth of work. Now, did we pack a lot into one month? Yes, we did. Did we get a lot of sparring? Absolutely. Did we do a lot of pad work, mitt work, bag work? Yes, we did. And running? Of course. But wait until the next camp. Because if I get a hold of Amir Khan for eight to nine weeks in a training camp, if you thought he was explosive tonight, just wait and see. So is that the plan? You two are going to work together, obviously, from here on in? Have you discussed Well, this? unless you know something I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, would, I would hope I prove my worth tonight. So, um, uh, you know, I, I listen, here's the bottom line. I, I love the Khan family. They were terrific to me. Bolton was great to us. Uh, the... the uh, the Bolton Whites, I believe, the hotel, they were terrific, uh, took care of us. I, I just loved every minute of it, and believe me, sometimes being on the road away from your family for a month is drudgery and it's hell. But they made it very comfortable for me, and time really flew by. So I, I would do this again in a heartbeat, and I think eight weeks would fly by just as quickly. So just finally, any camps from now on will be based in the U.K.? Is that the, what you say? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It depends on who we're fighting and what type of sparring we're going to need. Now, um, you know, of course, Los Angeles and Las Vegas are the two meccas of boxing, along with Great Britain, of course. But uh, the, uh, the, the, the amount of sparring that you can get between Las Vegas, California, and Mexico is just phenomenal. It's, it's really almost um, in, in, its, in its own category. So when, you know, and this is why we had such a good camp. We did get sparring, but we're going to be upping opponents as we march along this road. And the more you, you up your opponents, the more you have to up your sparring. So. I think it's probably one way or the other we're going to have to bring them here, but more likely we're going to have to go there because it's such an expense to bring that many guys out here that are going to be of that quality. So we'll probably have to go to Los Angeles and, and do it there. I'm not sure, but I'm going to talk to the Khan family. It's up to them. Okay, well, well done tonight. You've done your job tonight. Thank Good you talking so to you. Thank I you really very much. Enjoy. And thank you, England. I had a great time with my cousins across the pond. <laughs> it was the first time I've been here, and believe me, I love it. Well, we'll have you back. Thank Don't you. worry about that. Thank and I tell you what, back to you, Adam. And just in the meantime, Adam, before I cross you, I'll tell you what, I've taken more blows getting to this dressing room than MMA got anywhere near taking tonight. Listen, the pocket rocket, Don McGuinness, elbows out, my friend. You know, the, you know the script. You know the script. Well done. Great stuff. Great to hear from Amir Khan post-fight there. However, what I will pick up on, and I'm slightly disappointed in hearing this out of Amir's mouth, out of Eddie's mouth, and in fact out of, well, maybe not out of Kel's mouth, because we've not had him yet. We'll try and get hold of him in a minute. But I don't want to see, like what you just said, Matthew, I don't think we need to see another fight. This does not need a world title. They have sold it. You know, They've done the business at the end of the fight. Let's Adam, make it. Adam, we spoke earlier about certain fights. We talked about Wilder and Anthony Joshua. We, we, we referenced Canelo and Golovkin. We said that fights, have, we talked about Pacquiao and The fights have to be maximised. They have to be built. But you know what? You've got to be careful that you don't overcook things. Yeah. And this, this is at a perfect boiling point now. This fight has to happen now. The, 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 I think there were, listening to Amir there and listening to Eddie, um, there was, they, they definitely both poured cold water on it happening next. But, but, but the you know, caveat... Maybe, maybe, that's, the, maybe that's playing it cool from it a is, negotiation it, point of it, view. We it, don't want to look too yeah, keen, you know what I mean? But, but Eddie's saying, nah, Cal wants to fight at 154, which is like middleweight. Uh, Amir wants to fight at 147 and win a world title at welterweight. Um, but Amir did say, let's sit down and talk next week. I think if they see sense next week, yeah, in the cold light of day on Monday morning, I'm gonna be they need to sign to yeah, fight next. Because nah. we all dropped physically when they said they weren't going to fight next. 
They don't need a world title to make a, a boatload no, of money with these two not. lads. They don't need it. They don't need that. Uh, Don McGuinness is actually uh, just trying to grab Kel Brook for us because we've heard from Eddie, we've heard from Amir Khan. Let's see if we can get a quick word with Kel Brook. He's here with us now. Don well, McGuinness, over to you, mate. Well, Kel, it is very, very, very warm in here now. I know you're mopping your brow. You, you've done your broadcast work for the night, and also you've had a little chat with Amir Khan. Now, I've asked Amir Khan to sum it up. The little conversation you had, he said, ah, oh, it's just a little bit of comedy, it's a bit of panto, but, you know, it, it will happen. You sum up that conversation. What can I say? He didn't give me no eye contact. You know, he said his piece and ran off. The end of the day, I got up there. It's not my, it's not my thing to get up and get there, but, you know, like, getting, getting hounded every, every day of my life about when am I going to fight him. I, I saw I saw one it, so I wanted to punish him. I just want to punish him, you know, I, want, I do want to punish him. Kel, yeah. just quickly, Kel, on that. Sorry to interrupt you there, Dom. Kel, just on that. The fight is made now. You've done what you needed to do. You got in the ring. You've had your chat. Let's make the it. fight. It has to be next, doesn't it? Kel, I said, you know, I said, Kel, I said, you, you, you come back from your losses to Errol Spencer Golovkin. You stepped up in weight. Then you fought your manager challenger. You had the eye damage. Yeah. You come back against Repchenko. People weren't sure what to see. And you made a statement. And then I said, Amir Khan has to come in here tonight. And he has to make a statement. And he made a statement. Yeah. So now, this is the perfect time for the two years to fight. We're both, we're both on an eye. We've both had a performance. What was sensational? Yeah. We both, we both, we both had a good win. So why not fight each other next? Next. Next. It's gotta be next. Is we're that get, the key? We're, next. Next. we're both 31 year old. We've won world titles. We want that fight. That's the fight the fans, or everyone so, wants to see. So you are on record with us tonight on Talk Sports saying you want the fight next, and if he doesn't step up, it's him running. Next. That's him running. You see him in gotta there. Gotta be next. It's gotta be next. It's got to be next. It's got to be next, baby. It's got to be next, baby. Look. Look at these chocolate brownies. There's extra sugar on them. They're waiting, aren't they? They're waiting. They're waiting. <laughs> They're waiting for him. You couldn't have asked for a better PR moment here tonight with you two getting in the ring together and him throwing... I would have liked to have him to, you know, look at me and have a chat, chat about it. You know, why? why? We're both same weight. We've got same stats. We've got same platform. Why can't it happen? Why it can't has it happen? To, it has to happen. You know, I know that he might be after Thurman, but you know, win another world title. What you know? Why not fight me then if I'm so easy and I'm, and you're going to get a you know a the ton, a is, ton Kel, of money. The thing is, Cal, another another world title doesn't add to the fight. It doesn't add to it at all. You two don't need a belt to fight each other. It's to on make fire. It's on fire right now. It's on fire right now. It needs to happen you know, you know next. Why, over the years, Amir Khan was a superstar, 17-year-old Olympian, blah, blah, all that happened. But over the last couple of years, you've proven yourself. You've earned your stripes. You've won the world title. You've had those big fights. You've become a massive name. You know, you stepped up and fought Golovkin. You fought your manager in Errol Spence. You bounced back from injury, put on a great performance, a statement performance. He's come back and done the same. Now's the time to make the fight. Here's, yeah. a, here's a poser for exactly. you, Kel. Here's a poser. Would you rather rematch Errol Spence next or fight Amir Khan? You know what? Khan. 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 All day long. All day long. Every day at week. Even though you were in America last week having the chat with him. You could offer me a unification fighting the best man on the planet. I want to put him to sleep. Amir Khan. And on, drop the mic, mate. You've got to drop the mic now. Boom! There it is. It's on. That's how we do it. Yeah. Kel, top man. Thanks for being on the show, mate. Much appreciated, buddy. Kel Brook, there you go. There's no messing about. We know we know what the score is with this particular fight. Kel Brook knows what the score is with this particular fight. I just hope, like what you just said, Matt, I just hope there's a little bit, of, let's just cool the jets here, so therefore we've got a little bit of an even playing field when we go to the negotiation table, because let's be straight, it doesn't need a world title. It makes a ton of cash. Listen, let's we, get it on. We've got 23 minutes to get Eddie over here and Amir over there's here to a, agree to it, and then the fight's on. So what what you've you got to understand, Amir Khan has had, he's been, you know, the last time he was in the ring, he got knocked out, 
uh, cold against Canelo Alvarez. He's had two years. He's had personal problems. He's had people. And you know what? You're in a public eye and social media, and everyone's giving him stick and kicking him when he's down and all of that. You can imagine the pencil frustration and anger and all that and then he comes out and in 15 seconds he has your man down 30 seconds the fight's over imagine that the, the, the amount of adrenaline, the adrenaline that's suddenly being released and then you're in the ring and you, you you know Kel Brook's there so I think when the dust settles Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday whatever next week both everyone involved will see that the right fight to make is Khan Brook. There is five million. This is my estimate on this fight. I'm pretty good on knowing what fights are worth. There are, there's five million quid for each of these guys. They will not earn that kind of money for the rest of their career. They will miss out on a payday. They'll miss out on European bragging rights. They will miss out on a legacy fight. We saw Conor Ben in here tonight. This is the kind of Nigel Ben, Chris Eubank kind of fight that, that will ignite interest in the British public. We want them in front of us. We want them sitting on a table opposite each other. We want the space because they both like to jabber at each other. Cal Brooks' face then. If you could sit here with us, looking at Cal's you know, intent, you like, like a It's killer, like the Frotch Groves rematch, yeah. you know, the animosity and the grudge fight exactly. and all the, you know, that's that's what we're looking at here. And if anything, it's been going on for longer. How many years have we been talking about it? No, absolutely. You listen to Fight Night Live just in case you're wondering what the heck is going on here. It's all kicking off at the Liverpool Echo Arena. Fight Night Live with me, Adam Catrell, Gareth A. Davis and Matthew Macklin. Don McGuinness is ferreting around, speaking to every man and his dog, trying to get hold of a few more people. Um, it is absolutely unbelievable what we've witnessed tonight. Amir Khan has come back to the ring just shy of two years away, five years away from the UK, and he has made an unbelievable statement, blowing his opponent away, Phil Greco, within one minute. The next fight, without any shadow of a doubt to make, is him and Kel Brook. Don McGuinness has actually just joined us back here on the, on the top table. He's been backstage because we know what you like, Don. We know that you love all the, uh, the selfies and the Instagram and the, and the uh, I'm, I'm a celebrity uh, type of vibe, mate. I know that you've been hanging out backstage with the Rebecca Vardys and the Jamie Vardys and the like, my friend. What is it like back there? Because we just saw a little bit of a caption on the screen. Every man and his dog's back there. It's, uh, it's a proper circus, isn't it? Well, it was chaos around the ring, obviously, at the end of the fight when Kelbrook got in the ring again. Uh, you know, security was tight and, and obviously there was confusion and Amir went out the wrong way. But then getting backstage, absolutely chaotic. Obviously, all the well wishes. There's the family in there. The dressing room's packed. Uh, he's still in his shorts. He's still in... Literally can't get back to the dressing room now from the little corridor just beyond us here under the seating of the Echo Arena. So, again, he's just being uh, applauded all the way back, if you like. But pure, pure chaos. And, and, again, you heard the words of Eddie Hearn. You heard the words of Joe Goosen. They are absolutely blown away by the way he blew Le Greco away, that nobody's done that before. And, and again, they're not looking on the, well, was Le Greco all that? It's all about Amir Bang. in that dressing room. No, absolutely. And obviously, whilst you've been away doing uh, and speaking to the likes of Amir and Eddie and what have you, myself, Martin Gareth, we've been sat here just salivating at the prospect of Amir Kel next. I don't want to tune up. I don't want anything to sit in between because, if anything, it dilutes it. Let's say Amir Khan does get a world title shot against one of the killers in the 147 division. He doesn't come through it, yeah. and then all of a sudden, are people really bothered about the Kelbrook fight? No, I don't know I mean, if they are. And if you match, if it's a matchroom stable, you've got the two guys. There's a reason why Eddie Hearns, you know, got no, these two right, guys. Right, right now, it's all about boiling points in there, and you are not gonna get a better boiling point than right now. Like I said, Kelbrook had had his two defeats back to back. He'd had the eye damage. wasn't sure what was left. He came out a month ago and he put on a statement performance against Sergei Rabchenko. We said that because of that tonight we needed a statement performance. Amir Khan, we got a statement performance. 
Now's the time to make the fight. Well, definitely. It's, it's, it's got to happen. I mean, do you know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that Manny Pacquiao's on a world tour at the moment, this veterans world tour. And he's, if we're honest, Amir is kind of, his, his legacy's kind of been defined by chasing Floyd and chasing Manny. That Manny Pacquiao fight could be quite realistic for him, and I just hope it does not get in the way of making this Kelbrook fight. No, Lucas Matisse will hammer yeah, but even Manny so, Pacquiao, even and he'll be so, a busted flush by then. Even so, Manny's still on this tour, but nah, looking for big money I, I, fights, I, I, looking I to bankroll his presidential I know, I know thing in the Philippines. Them, but I think the biggest fight out there for Amir Khan and for Kelbrook is each other. But by far, like, I don't think there's even a close second. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, I agree. And I think to, to try and overcook this or drag it out or do a world title, don't need no world title fight. They both won world titles. Job done. Just Job for done. each other. Uh, if you have only just joined us, maybe you've been out for the evening catching a lovely bit of dinner, thinking to yourself, do you know something? I'll have a little bit of a listen to that fight between uh, Amir Khan and Kelbrook, which was, uh, not Kelbrook, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, and Phil LaGreco, uh, which was live and exclusive on Talk Sport. And you thought that you maybe dip into the fifth or the sixth round. Sorry, it only lasted less than a minute. Take a listen to this. tweeted a picture by uh, somebody listening to the show tonight and also watching it on TV. They actually switched off the TV commentary and listened to you guys commentate on that fight and they've sent me a picture of me jumping out of my seat at the, at the point of uh, Amir Khan doing the business there. It's very hard not to get carried away when someone uh, comes back off a two-year layoff and blows his opponent away within, uh, within a minute. Fantastic performance. Uh, from Amir Khan. Uh, we are going to finish the show by speaking about our next fight night, which is obviously Bellew Hay, part two, May the 5th at the O2 Arena. Uh, speaking of a little bit of needle between two fighters, you can't even write that script. It's absolutely tremendous. We'll get stuck into it next on Fight Night Live here on Talk Sport. Deep in your heart, I know you're fragile as the I'm going to get in your... Write me off at your pedal. I'm the little fat cruiserweight who no one thinks can do anything while I've proven everyone wrong so far. I've got to screw loose, but I enjoy having a fight. Before that first fight, I've, I just said I would have bet my life that wouldn't have happened, but I throw curveballs at you sometimes in the form of punches. 
got in a boxing ring, I punched you senseless. I'm just going to do the same again. May 5th, anything's possible, but I will, as always, do the best I can, and that should be violent knockout. Fight Night Live returns from the O2 Arena in London, May the 5th. Of course, we've got a show next week. We'll be talking about this, no doubt. But let's start that conversation right now, because that's the next big one. And we've been talking all night about narrative between British fighters, lads that have a little bit of needle between them, lads that don't like each other. Tonight, we've seen a fight be perfectly made at the end of the Emir Khan fight between him and Kel Brook. Uh, one that bubbled up actually in Liverpool. It was the BJ Flores fight for Tony Bellew. Uh, David Hay was ringside. He kicked a Toblerone and all sorts kicked off. And now we've got a second fight. That's, this is what might happen with Amir Khan and Kelbrook. We might get part two, Matthew. Yeah, you know, I, I love to see the needle when it's genuine. You know, when it's been kind of manufactured and pre-scripted, I don't, I don't, I don't think it needs it. You know, we've seen Mashadad, um, Tommy Call. That's yeah. great to see as well. You know what I mean? I, I like both. But when it's genuine needle... Like, you know, Amir Khan and Cal Brook have been going on for a while. I, I love it, you know what I mean? And, 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 and I think this is a fight that's just, it's, it's sold itself. Amir Khan's performance tonight, Cal Brook's performance just over a month ago. Both of you look at where their careers have been, what they've come back from. This is the perfect time to make this fight. May the 5th, we're obviously going to see Bellew here part two. Has what happened in the first fight, Matt, changed your opinion of what might happen in the second fight? Oh, big time. In the first fight, coming going into it, I did not give Tony Bellew a chance, not at all. David Hay, what a fighter in his prime. You know, Tony Bellew, a really good fighter too, don't get me wrong, but I just thought there's no way Tony Bellew's going to stand a chance with David Hay up at heavyweight. But you know what? I know the Achilles injury and everything, he stayed in there and all that happened, but even prior to the injury, I thought David Hay looked terrible. Mm. His time and his distance was shocking. He was lunging from a mile away. He was missing wildly. And I just thought he looked, you know, you could tell he'd been out of the ring for so long. And right now, I think he's had the injury. He's come back. He probably won't spar because he won't want to risk injury because he, he wants the payday. He's, I don't believe he's fighting for the right reasons anymore. He's not fighting because he's chasing dreams or goals. He's, he's fighting now because he wants the money. He's money back in the game and he can get a big payday out there. And, and, and that's not the right reason. I think Tony Bellew, he's stayed current. He's got good momentum. He had the great night in Everton. He won his world title. He stepped up to cruise away from light heavy. I thought he gave him a new lease of life and he, he, he's gone from strength to strength and that. His confidence is at sky high. He's really kind of gelled well with Dave Colwell, and I just think that the momentum and everything going in is with Tony Bell, you know. Well, I think Matthew's um, kind of summed it up brilliantly there. I, I agree with all of those points, um, and I think also you, you gave some very accurate background information on David Hay in that, you know, you and I were chatting about this because he, he, he's one of the most devastating boxers, uh, fighters and knockout artists I've ever covered in my year, career in 25 years yeah, watching I was boxing. a huge fan. Uh, yeah, well, the thing is... And a friend. And, and, and well, six years ago, we always remember that knockout of Derek Chisora, don't we, at Upton yeah. Park, that rainy night in Upton Park. But you know what? That's six years ago now. a long time now. ago, Gareth. And, and I think it is a long time ago. And David Hay, we, we, we talked about this, Matthew and I, earlier on, Adam, you know, um, that... When fighters start to fall in, and we're seeing it with James DeGale, we're seeing it a little bit with Anthony Crawler, we're seeing it with David Hay, a generation is quite worn now. They've been around a long time. They've been through a lot of wars. And I think I completely agree. I think, I think David Hay's going to win this. I didn't think he would lose the first fight. But I think that 
Tony Bellew's tenacity and his busyness in his career and the fact he always delivers. Alumba Makabu, for example, he's down on his backside in the first, first round in his beloved Goodison Park and he gets up and he beats the guy into a, into a stoppage finish the, the following round. You know, there's something tenacious about uh, Tony uh, Bellew that you cannot buy. Definitely, and I, I didn't... And, uh, oh, Taking all that into account, I still didn't give him a chance whatsoever in the first uh, fight going against David Hay because David Hay, what a fighter he was in his prime. But that isn't the David Hay now. Yeah. That isn't he the made, David he Hay made now. Bellew look like Mayweather, if I but, can say that. Yeah, but what you're, but what you're insinuating there, and, and rightfully so, we're talking about a David Hay now that's... He's passed it. Well, he's, 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 he's in the shot. late 30s. He's had a major shoulder operation. Yeah. He's at his Achilles was a bit like spaghetti the last yeah. time we saw him. What, will his body hold up is uh, a big question in a, this fight. A great fighter, a great fighter. David Hay, towards the end of his career, and, you know, because we were, oh, were friendly, we boxed on the squads and the amateurs together, and he, he said to me, you know, he, he didn't spar a lot of rounds in the end because, you know, the risk of injury and different things, but his timing and his distance was so bad in his last fight, and he hasn't done anything yeah. since then. He's been injured, he's pulled out, so I'm assuming he's probably not going to do a lot of sparring. Dom, and the only way to get that distance and that timing back is to spar. Dom, I just want to bring you into this conversation because you spent a little bit of time, um, obviously, with David down at uh, the Brixton uh, gym that he has there underneath the arches, and then you've also been spending a little bit of time with Tony Bellew last week as well. Um, you've looked into the eyes of both of these guys. Where are they at at this moment in time? Well, it's interesting. I mean, at the gym, David Hay. I mean, just interestingly as well. And uh, the full interview with Tony Bellew, incidentally, will follow at 11 o'clock tonight after we're off air tonight. But very, very different. You go to David Hay's gym under the arches in Vauxhall, and it is ultra pristine. The toilet is like a five-star hotel toilet. I mean, this is a gym. It's incredible. And he says himself, he's got a touch of OCD. He's got to be pristine, clean, everything. So it, the whole thing is very different feel to it. I spoke to Ismail Salas about sparring because that was one of the things I was interested in, in terms of what he's doing. He's been doing a lot of sparring with Malik Scott. Okay. So there has been sparring going on there. It's a very different scene. Tony Bellew at the Colwell camp in Rotherham. A bit more of a Spartan existence there in that gym. But he's got a nice squad. The McDonald brothers are in there. They're all having a crack at, with Bellew all the time. Very happy, very lively camp. Hayes on his own, more or less, mm. in his gym. Uh, Joe Joyce is knocking about, obviously, but he seems to be training pretty much solo and, unless he's sparring. Whereas, you know, obviously there's McDonald boys and there's Jordan Gill and there's Anthony Fowler. Uh, and Bellew's very relaxed, super relaxed, very confident and looking forward, to, let's face it, to another huge payday. And they're, all you know, they're all eating, sleeping, breathing, boxing 24-7, all preparing for fights. And another thing about that gym in Vauxhall, I went there in 2011 and there was a cake there for David Hay and a group of us turned up and it was his retirement. 2011. Yeah. That's when he wanted to walk away but from But that's boxing. what Bellew keeps talking about. Why are you back? Why are you back? He's 38 in October. You know, Bellew, Bellew is Bellew... a master psychologist. He's become a master of psychology against other opponents. I really do believe that about him. Well, he's just putting the that doubt. screw he's, that's he's, loose he's works just, for him. He's just asking him why you're boxing. He's, he's basically saying you're boxing for the money because you don't really want to box. That's basically what he's saying to him, isn't he? You know? You've looked into the eyes of both of these men, though. What is your gut instinct? And has your opinion changed from the first fight? Well, I, I think I was pretty much like everybody else you know and, and even half decent David Hayes probably too good for Tony Bellew and, and Bellew keeps saying himself he's a far better boxer than me he's yeah. a far better boxer I'm a fan of his he's brilliant yeah. but he can't beat me and better men than him have failed to beat me mm. that's his kind of mantra he's just the, the look in his eyes is super Bellew is just relaxed confident just just thinks he's got it in the bag Hay obviously said almost nothing 
really, in the build-up to this one. I was at the press conference when it all got very, very yeah. silly with, with all the remarks and everything else in Liverpool. Uh, very different. Hayes just purposely not going to say anything. I don't even think it's going to get silly on fight week. I think Bellew is just going to sit there and, and just obviously throw a few bombs at Hayes. Do you know what it is? Every dog has his day. And David timing, Hay, what timing. A, and timing yeah. so crucial. And David Hay, what a great fighter, but he's had his day. And I don't, he's not the David. When we talk about David Hay and Bally and who's going to win a war, we, we can't, we're not talking about the David Hay that, that beat John uh, Mormack and, yeah, yeah. and, and these great players. That's not the David Hay that, that we're seeing. Value of, cle- yeah, yeah. clever night against value of. Yeah, absolutely. Also, also, Salas reckons that he's, he's bringing all, as he put it, he says, I'm bringing all his documents into one file. All David Hay's documents. David Hay himself said he fought like a 15-year-old in the first fight with Bellew. Bellew thinks he's going to do it again. Yeah. Bellew thinks he's going to go in there as rash as he was last time because, again, we all wonder, can his body hold up? Is he in a hurry to try and land the big one, to, yeah. to put Bellew to sleep? Because that... that well, that's it. Really he's he's looking for the big right hand and the left hook. Well, that's there we all go. He's looking for. Matt, just on that, I mean, all the, all the rhetoric last time going into the first fight, Tony Bellew said, listen, I'm just going to see this out for four rounds. That'll be it then. That's all he's got. And he was right, absolutely, in that fight. Is it the same tactics coming into the second fight? As David Hay just got four rounds to try and land that massive bomb and try and connect with that chin. You, you know these ridiculously fast fighters like Amir Khan? We've seen what he did tonight early on. Yeah. David Hay, so dangerous early on. So it's that explosiveness, that speed earlier. As fights go on, that, that little bit is... That, Sting leaves them a little bit. You start timing it. You get acclimatised to a little bit. You warm into the fight. Then all of a sudden, things change a little bit. And I think David Hay is still very dangerous, but I just don't feel he's got the timing or the accuracy or the distance anymore. And I don't think he's got the love for the game anymore. And I think Dave, uh, Tony Bellew, he stayed active. He stayed current. He stepped up. He had the big night in Everton. He's gone from strength to strength to strength. And now he'll... He'll believe in himself even more this time. I think last time he must have been going in thinking, you know, it's a good fight, big fight, a step up. You know, now he knows, you know what? He had a few rounds in there. He was missing wildly. He was out of distance. Give him faint, make him use his feet. I can beat this guy. Do you think that beating David Hay ends David Hay's career? But do you also think as well that Tony Bellew might go out on a high as well and just think to yourself, I've done everything I need to do in the game now and call it a day? I don't know. I think he's still very much loving it. And why wouldn't he? You know, he's, he's, he's worked so hard his whole career. And these, these are what it's all about. These huge nights, these big pay-per-view events. Listen, there could be, who knows? Who's not to say that uh, Andre Ward doesn't step up to Cruiserweight and make a comeback? You know, he's pumping some wine in the ring. You see that on yeah, social media. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, let's put it in perspective. It's going to be another great occasion because they, they both carry an event. Hey, oh, Bellew. absolutely. They, they are both... When, when we did the last press conference with them... We, um, we've been talking uh, about transcending the sport, haven't we? We've got... Yeah, Bellew's they, been in Rocky movies. We've got David A's been yeah, in the jungle. Yeah. They attract different eyes to the, the sport, and that's They great. do, and they both know how to carry things now. I think it will be a great fight against everything we've said... I think there's going to be one more performance from David Hay on May the 5th, and I think he's going to do it. And I think he will join that heavyweight mix where we talk about White chasing Joshua. We're talking about Wilder chasing Joshua, Tyson Fury chasing Joshua. I think we're going to have David Hay fighting Joshua, uh, chasing Joshua after that night. Do you reckon? I'm saying it, You're baby. a good salesman. You're a good salesman. I Listen, like if I think if David Hay was to pull out a big performance and, you know, a good performance, say he was to beat Bellew and he looked good, I think, he, I think he probably does get the Joshua fight. Well, it's, like you, it's like what you were talking as we were building up towards the Amir fight tonight. There was loads of questions about Amir. Has he still got it? Is he rusty? He's been out for two years, all these types of things. He's gone in tonight. He's made an absolute huge statement, and that's the key word that you're using at the start. 
David Hay needs a statement. He needs a statement. It's not about getting through 12 rounds and outpointing Tony Bowie. It's a statement. It's a statement knockout so therefore he becomes relevant in the heavyweight mix once again. Without a doubt. And I don't know if David Hay's got 12 good rounds in him anyway. Do you know what I mean? I think he's, he might have three or four. He's going to be dangerous. He's explosive. He can really punch. But I don't, I don't think he, I don't know if he's got 12 good rounds in him anymore. Mm. Um, by the way, a little uh, later on this evening in the early hours of the morning, just a quick one for you. Uh, one of my uh, favourite characters in the world of boxing, Adrian the Problem Brawner, is back in action. And as, and as I mention his name, everybody laughs around the table. I mean, this is a geezer that... Do, I don't even think he divides opinion anymore, does he, Adrian Broner? Is there anybody that wants him to win? <laughs> Everybody's Jesse Vargas, isn't it? I just think he's universal dislike. <laughs> I mean, again, he was at it again in that press conference. I mean, talk about unedifying. He, that's, he should be Adrian unedifying Broner. That's what he is. He's a, he is a, he's a character, let's just say that there, but not necessarily in a good way. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure being in your company tonight. Matt, Dom, you were fantastic on commentary for the long as long as it lasted. Well done, gentlemen. Uh, Gareth, a pleasure as always. We'll Thank be you, back in our seat uh, next week, uh, probably having more reaction to all this and obviously building up towards our Bell You Hair Part 2, which is live and exclusive on TalkSport. Fight Night Live returns to the O2 Arena in London for an epic night. Can... Tony Bellew, repeat what happened last time, or will David Hay get his revenge? You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're live at the Liverpool Echo Arena, where we've been watching Amir Khan's return to the ring. But coming up next, our very own Dom again is caught up with the bomber himself, Tony Bellew, at Dave Corwell's gym in Rotherham earlier on this week, as we build up to the rematch with David Hay on May the 5th. A fight you can hear live on TalkSport. Fight Night Special, an afternoon with Tony the Bomber Bellew on Talk Sport. Well, Tony, thanks for letting us in the gym. Pleasure. Obviously, Coach Dave Corwell over there, letting us uh, yeah. see the, the final kind of elements, I suppose, of, of today, just you warming down, really, and everything else. But yeah. in, at this stage now, a few weeks out, how are things tapering? Are you stepping things up? How's it all working? Uh, I'm trying to step things up, but I just get given unrealistic targets all the time unrealistic targets that I seem to, to meet so uh, I'm doing okay I've worked very very hard camp's gone really well I'm coming into the to the last two hard weeks it, it just it, it's really draining and tiring at this stage but everything now is about rest and recovery as much as it is workload so you've got to be smart I'm not here uh, 25 anymore I'm now 35 with a lot more grey hairs than I'd like so uh, it's it's about like I say, rest, recovery, preparing your body to go again. What's the schedule like? Because you're coming over from Merseyside. Mm. You're not staying over here in I Rotherham am. too much, are you? Well, well tell us what, what, it, what it's... It, it, what it, it's it works out. I'm up here four days of the week. Uh, I try and split them up. I'd be up here from Monday to Friday if my hands could deal with punching more than four days a week, but I can only punch four days because my hands are that damaged and wrecked from over the years. So... Uh, we work it out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Fridays are punching days. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are lifting days. Uh, Saturdays that kill on the treadmill. Uh, there's two to three swimming sessions in there a week. Of swimming a mile in X amount of time. Uh, so there's, there's there's so many different sessions to do and so many things to catch up on. But ultimately, we just get the work done. How have you adapted as you've got a bit older? You, you mentioned that you know, you're, you're not 25 anymore and you've got yeah. a bit of damage here and there. So how have you kind of adapted the training? You have to listen to your body. And then ultimately I've got a fantastic coach in Dave Caldwell. So he understands. It's very helpful 
I'm not saying it's a necessary and it's a must, but it's very helpful when your coach has been there, not necessarily at the level, but he's experienced the damage and the rigours what boxing can do to your body. He uh, he knows, you know, he just understands and he knows. So today I've come in the gym, I'm tired. You know, it's simple as that. I'm very, very sore. I'm very, very tired. Uh, but that that's boxing. It's going to happen. I'm not a machine. Uh, Anthony Fowler's the machine. I am not the machine. When you're young and and I'm fresh, you can seem to just go and go again. Work hard, train really hard, and then go the next day after a little bit of an ice bath or whatever. But nowadays, you'd have to be smarter. Training smart is much better than just training hard session after hard session. In terms of sparring, you're going to have a couple more weeks then, presumably, of that. Yes. And how's it gone so far? What, what kind of fellas have you been bringing in? To be fair, I'm really happy with how sparring's gone. It, it, uh, for me, it, it's the part of camp I detest the most because it, I, I worry about injuries and knocks and bangs and cuts and stuff like that. But sparring's gone great. We've had really good guys in, undefeated professionals, young bucks who, who I've got to try and keep up with. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one who never reveals the names, but ultimately... The young guys, fresh, unbeaten fighters, strong punches, you know, movers. I'll draft another couple of different guys in this week. So we, you know, we've got them from all over the continent. Really, different guys, uh, different styles. Because at, at different stages of this fight, he's going to implement a different style. So at the start, he's going to be very fast, very sharp, very explosive. As the rounds go on, that sharpness and and speed will will slightly slow down and decrease, and then he will use other as other attributes to counterbalance. As 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 one thing's coming down, the speed's going down, the power might gradually go up, and his timing might get better because the speeds come down. So I have to get fighters in who can implement them styles at them times. So you know, it's uh, it, it's very hard. It's it's not as easy as people think from the outside looking in. It's the, you know, there's an awful lot that goes into behind the scenes of professional boxing. It doesn't look that easy, believe me. <laughs> it's it, people just think you turn up on fight night and you just have a fight, and that's it. There's an awful lot for me. I've always looked at boxing as as violent chess. That's the way I've always looked at it. So, and like I say, I've got a fantastic teacher and coach in Dave Caldwell. There's very few teachers left in the game. I'm very fortunate and lucky that I come in the gym on a daily basis and learn and pick up new things you know we work on different things different strategies different there's never been one time or for one camp I've come in the gym and we've worked on the same strategy over and over we've we've changed it every single time the training has been tailored and adhered to me that's down to to a coach who who doesn't you see a lot of coaches now they have a style that they perfect on fighters so you know, you see, Freddie Roach is a fighter who trains really good offensive fighters, uh, and he likes fighters to go forward and press on the front foot. With, with, I wouldn't say little regard for defense because he's a world Hall of Fame class trainer. Or the likes of Joe Gallagher, the fighters, the hands up style, uh, walk you down and, and, and wait for you to tie that. You know, you see that style implemented so many times, whereas none of us perform the same way and that that's down to the fantastic coach we've got and Dave Caldwell who who uses our strengths to help and work with our styles and then he tries to add some extra little things so for me I look at the likes of how I've improved this this part of my career I've been with Dave now five years and it's been the best five years of my career without a shadow of a doubt all the results have shown you uh, I've become European champion under his watch, world champion under his watch. I've defeated undefeated fighters. I've beaten world number ones. I've beaten former European champions, world contenders. Uh, 
it's gone from strength to strength. It really has under Dave. So you've worked closely for a, a good while now. You've yes. got to know each other very, very well. Mm. David Hay has a new trainer, yes. Ismail Salas, who he has worked with before, but yes. this has been the first proper full camp, albeit with the postponement of the rematch. Mm. He's had a long, long time now to bond with him, if you like, since mm. your first fight. How much of a difference do you think he'll make? Yeah. But ultimately, there's only so much he can do. It always comes down to the fighters. This is why I get really annoyed when I see fighters blaming coaches. Cowards do that. Uh, cowards blame coaches for the defeat. It's all it's all on us. Ishmael Salas is a really good coach. Uh, but at the end of the day, David Hay's the boss in that relationship. David Hay brought Ishmael Salas in. David Hay made Ishmael Salas leave Jorge Linares and, and train him and his fighters predominantly. So, you know, you see where Ishmael Salas is going with this. I'm sure he didn't want to leave Jorge Linares because Jorge Linares is a very talented, very good fighter, but he's been put in a position financially by David Hay where he has to. So it is what it is, but we'll, we'll see. You know, I think Ishmael Salas is a fantastic coach. He's trained many, many world champions. Uh, I think the best person you, you, you're asking that question to is Ishmael Salas himself. Is he happy training David Hay? Is he happy with things being dictated to him the way they're being dictated to him? From my belief, it's always a coach who should dictate to the fighter. Never once do I dictate to Dave Caldwell, uh, I want to do this, I want to do that. I want you to come here, I want you to go there. What happened, uh, I lost my brother last this year and I asked Dave if he could help me by coming to Liverpool to help train me. I asked him. Now, if he couldn't, then I'm sure he would have come here, but he was good enough to come back to the, over to Liverpool. Sorry, it was last year now, yeah, last year to help me. So uh, I'm not someone who dictates to the coach, and I don't believe anyone should dictate to the coach. If you, if you are a dictate, if, if the fighter is dictating to the coach, then why are you employing him? Well, we have spoken to Salas. Ah, OK. And to try and gauge how yeah. he feels working with David Hay. And the way he put it, he said he's bringing all his documents into one file. That's the analogy he kind of used. He said all the bits that he, he, he knows of David Hay and all the good bits he's bringing under, he wants to get him back to his boxing ways. And David Hay himself said mm. he thought he forgot all that in the first fight with you. He wants to get back to the boxing. Oh, yeah, because this, this is the one where he's been in the time machine, isn't it? Yeah, he's been back in the time machine again. Yeah, he said that before the first fight. I feel like I've been in the time machine. Uh, Shane McGuigan is, is getting the best out of me. And let's not make no mistake, Shane McGuigan is a brilliant coach. Shane McGuigan trained Carl Frampton. Uh, to, to, to become a two-weight world champion. So, David, and before Shane McGuigan, he had Adam Booth, another fantastic coach who's trained multiple world champions in the likes of uh, double world champion Ryan Burnett. He, he got Andy Lee to a world title, something no one other fighter could do. So, you know, he got David Hayter, undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world, heavyweight champion of the world. So, he's always had, this is nothing new to me, David Hay has always had fantastic coaches. He's got another great coach in Ishmael Salas. Uh, but I'm just not so sure and so confident that he's now got a coach who is implementing what he wants to do. I think it's more of David Hayes implementing what he wants to do and what he can actually do. A big part of that is, like I've said, I'm 35 now. I can't do when I, what, what, I, what I could do when I was 25. Or if I could, I need a whole lot longer to rest, to recover. David is, so he's 38 now, so he's 37 now, a couple of years older than me. Now, it ain't got easier as I've got older, so I can only imagine for him it's the same. And being a fantastically, aesthetically great-looking athlete that he is, I can imagine it must be very hard to maintain that body and them muscles. Uh, only God knows how he does it. But uh, I don't know. He's, I just, I'm, I'm under a firm belief that David has always been the boss with his coaches. 
the minutes he left Adam Booth. You know, you've got to remember, look at the fight for the the build up for the last fight. You know, it was Shane McGuigan's words where uh, David only needs six weeks with me to prepare for Tony Bellew. I'd done a 12 or 14 week camp for the first David Hay fight, uh, and I was up here in Rodham constantly throughout them 12 weeks, working hard, working quietly with everyone in the background saying Tony's getting knocked out in two rounds, Tony's getting beat up, Tony's getting smashed. And then everybody says when the fight's over, well, Tony only lasted because of the injury. But David didn't get an injury until the, until the sixth round. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the, uh, the his theory of you getting drilled to the floor in two rounds, and yet I'm still laughing my head off at you at the stars of the sixth. Uh, I just don't get it. But you know, so be it and so forth. And you see this, the people on social media going off on one with Tony's getting absolutely smashed in two rounds, and then unbelievably now they still come on to me now on social media and put you're getting smashed in two rounds again. Why didn't he do it? Well, I'll tell you what, he had four rounds. He had double the time last time. He had he had triple the time last time because he got to the sixth round and there was nothing wrong with him by the start of the sixth. So it is what it is. It's boxing. You're always going to get doubters. Uh, but but that's what pushes me on. People telling me that David Hayes is going to beat me up and smash me. So continue to uh, tweet me, Instagram me, that David's going to punch me face in because David hasn't got a chance in hell. The only person who's getting punched all over the place is him. And guess what? We don't have to wait long because it's only a couple of weeks away. Will it be a, a different kind of fight, do you feel? Or yes. is, it, is it repeat? Tell us what you oh, think, how you envisage it. It's definitely repeat, but it will be a different fight. It'll be a chess match early on. David will not look to engage early doors. Uh, he will look to set up attacks. He will not come out so uh, gung-ho. Yeah, he won't come out so reckless. This time he won't come out with so little dis. He won't come out with so little regard for me. He knows I can box. He knows I can make him look stupid and make him miss. If anything, David Hay was was should be, in my view, very embarrassed by the first fight because he just got made to look like a novice. Fight night special: an afternoon with Tony the Bomber Bellew on Talk Sport. You're getting way too big for your boots. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport, live from the Liverpool Echo Arena, uh, where we've just seen Amir Khan's return to the ring. But it's time to get back to Dominic Guinness' exclusive chat with Tony Bellew, where he caught up with him during his camp in Rotherham earlier on this week, as we build up to his rematch with David Hay on May the 5th, a fight that you can hear live on TalkSport. Fight Night Special, an afternoon with Tony the Bomber Bellew on TalkSport. The build-up to the last fight was yeah. interesting. It, it got it's a bit horrible. lively. Got a bit lively on a couple of occasions, mm. and again, the the Liverpool presser. There was a, obviously there was that the punch and, and all that business. Oh no, the Liverpool, the punch the, was the very first yeah, person yeah, he came to Liverpool. One. The Liverpool one was, was and insulted. Really was a bit more distasteful in many ways. He's just it? disgusting he, to come into my city and, and, and insult, you know, thousands of people is disgusting. But listen, he's he's an, he's a god. He's always being a god. He's always going to be a god. So. Do you no. regret showing him the respect that you did after no, the first fight? No, I showed him that respect because I felt like I owed him it. This, you've got to remember, this This fella gave me an opportunity to financially secure me and my children's future, and he done that that night, and I, and I, and I owe him that. I owe him that, thanks. I don't owe him anything anymore because I'm giving him the chance back. I didn't have to do this like he didn't have to do the first fight, so that, that's done with now. I was respectful because, let's just put it into context, I just earned... 20 times my whole career in one night. 20 times my, my closest payday in one night. So The return will do all right for you as well. <laughs> It'll do okay, but I'm, I'm instigating that, aren't I? So 
But I'm a man of my word. I said I'd give him the rematch. You know that that one fight is more than is is more than double my whole career combined. Before that fight, my whole career, every single fight in, pay you know everything, double more than double it. So it's uh, well, it's actually treble it. So well, I'm going to ask you for a tenner in a minute, but before we get there, yeah, you can f- off. Yeah, it's the kids, uh, not mine. <laughs> With with this fight, then in your head, there's only only one outcome. Obviously, you get your hand raised at the end. That's that's the. That's, that's, Ho- hopefully, I, I'm, but I'm, like I said, I'm 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 not naive. I'm a realist. Ah, listen, I, this fight could be over in 20 seconds. If I if I I we, as a fighter, we work in hundreds of a second, literally the blink of an eye, and you're asleep. So if I make the wrong adjustment at the wrong time, I wake up in an ambulance. That's just the reality of boxing. That's the cold, dark reality. Make the wrong move at the wrong time, you're going to sleep real fast, especially at the level I'm at. So, yes, I do think I'm going to win. Yes, I'm I'm very, very confident, but I'm also very aware of the dangers that are in front of me, and I'm also very aware of the man who I'm facing and what he's capable of. He does not have the same respect and regard for me that I have for him, that I have... Really, for all fighters beyond a certain level. Like, I'll be honest, ain't no one doing that to me at British level. Ain't no one doing that to me at European title level. But when you step to the world-class level, I've been a world champion. I've fought world number one contenders. I've won final eliminators. Uh, I understand what what goes on at the levels of boxing. And and, and I'm I'm messing around with an elite-level athlete and fighter, Ian David Hay. And and it's it's dangerous. It really, really is. So I get the sense that... that with what you said yeah. about earnings, which has helped obviously massively and, and, and secured the, the kids' future and all that business, I'm is mad. this? It, yeah, Don't get me wrong. Everyone, everyone paints me to be well, this. Well, with, with this all, with all this in mind, yeah. with the, the fact that you've mentioned that you know injuries, niggles, that's always going to yeah. happen as you get older. Yeah. Is this the last one? No, I can't go into this ring thinking it's the last one, so it's not. I've got a, I've got a, I've got ideas in my mind that that when I say them out loud, people laugh at me and say I'm crazy, but. People laughed at me and said I was crazy when I said I was going to be champion of the world. People laughed at me and said I was crazy when I told them 10 years ago I'm going to fight at Goodison Park and win a world title. Uh, so I've been laughed at my whole life. I've been laughed off. and yeah, Tony Bell used full of Tony Bell used a liar. Tony Bell used this. Well, Tony Bell used not easy because everything that Tony Bell used from the start, it's, it's kind of worked out. So when I was walking into the amateur gyms telling them I'm going to be one of the best fighters the city's ever produced, people are actually saying it. Now, I don't say it anymore because I stopped saying that when I thought, you sound like a So I stopped saying that. Uh, when I told people I was going to fight at Goodison Park one day and let's get bear that in mind, I've been saying that before I turned pro. People used to laugh, don't be ridiculous, there's never been a fight at Goodison Park. Well, there has, there's been two and I've been in both of them. One was in a movie, the other one was real life. <laughs> so uh, it's... It's crazy how things have worked out. I've got another couple of crazy ideas, but I'll wait till after the fight and see how I am. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I come out in one piece. Hopefully, there's no one gets hurt, there's no stretches involved. Hopefully, I can just get out the ring, uh, I go home nice and safe, and hopefully the same happens for David Day. But understand, I'll do anything to win. I'll go to any level. So if I have to get off the floor, if my nose is halfway across my face, if my hands are broke, if my Achilles is sore, I'm fighting, mate. If I've me, if my toes sore, I'm fighting. And there's no, there's no, no stop, no quitting me. And there never ever will be. You will not see me stop, no matter what. That is a scary thing to know that you're capable of that. And I know I am. But that, that's why 
I can't go too long. So this isn't the last fight, but I can see the finish line because I can't continue to keep going on. And with that finish line, if it is after this one or wherever it may be... It won't be after this. But are you the type... Can you walk away from the sport? I've always said since I got into boxing, boxing will not retire me. I will retire from boxing. I will not be that that fighter who, who does too much. I will not be that fighter who... who uh, who takes that? Keeps taking them steps. I can't be. I've got too much to lose. I've got. I've got. I've got a family that relies on me and needs me now. I don't. I know. I'm. I'm portrayed and painted as this fellow who's this great family man, a great father, or you know, he's. I'm not. That's the furthest thing from the truth. If anything, I've been very selfish. This. This. This sport. This business. I'm, I'm a professional boxer and I've always been selfish and I've always put myself first so you know listen I've missed things like my son's first birthday because I was busy trying to win a world title in Canada I wasn't here for my son's first birthday uh, I've missed so many things in my life because I've always put myself first now yes I've done it for the reasons where I'm trying to earn and I'm trying to provide for my family but that will soon come to an end uh, I'm not the perfect role model I'm far from it I've done some stupid <laughs> some mad things uh, and I'm like I say, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time, but I'm, I'm trying my best to, to, to just keep going and going and trying to be the best. Whether it could be a father, I can be or whatever. Because I don't. The fact is, I don't spend enough time at home because I'm too selfish that I've got to be in camp. I've got to go to work. This comes for this. Boxing is not a job. It's not a sport. It's a way of life. You know, I don't agree many things with Chris Eubank Senior, what he says, but believe you me, mate, he likes to call it the Warriors Code. Uh, I prefer to just call it, it's a way of life. I've lived this sport for 20 years. I've been getting punched in the face for 20 years. Uh, and and it, it's taken over everything. It's taken over me times that I can be a father. Uh, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. But the sacrifice is, is, is well worth it. I'll get, I'd, I'd do these 20 years all over again if I could. Uh, because... It's, it's allowed me to provide something that I never dreamed or deemed would be possible. And I've done that now. Uh, and I, that's the only thing in life I'm proud of. What I've been able to achieve and what I've been able to give and, and, and do for, for what's in the house. A final point then to the fight. It's David Hay. Yep. It's live on Talk Sport. What would hurt you more, losing to David Hay or Liverpool winning the Champions League? <laughs> Listen, mate. If they win that Champions League, I'm emigrating to the moon. I'm trying not to swear. Don't throw insults. Stop you so fast. Don't, Don't throw them insults out in this gym very easily because if I have to get them gloves back on, my hands are sore and I've finished training. Don't make me do it. Uh, do you know what? Since since I lost my brother-in-law, he was a mad copite, followed Liverpool everywhere. We've recently just put a thing up in Anfield for him, uh, a, a memorial stone sorted out. Uh, I'm doing it. I had to basically go on my hands and knees to the to the Liverpool chief executive, Mr. Moore. I think his name's Peter Moores. I met him, absolute diamond of a fella. And, and you know what? I just went over to him and I said, "Listen, I've been calling off for the stones to put an Anfield. I want one for my brother-in-law because he was season ticket holder at Anfield. He follows everywhere." And he said, "Tony, no problem. Absolute diamond." So I owe that fella an awful lot. Thank you very much. What a nice, nice guy. But uh, I'll be honest, mate. I can't take it if they win the, 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 the Champions League. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's. You know, like you say, like you remember the first time you watched Freddy Krueger. Well, the first time I watched Freddy Krueger is very similar to the to what I watched the night Liverpool were in Istanbul. That's the kind of it's a it's a it's it's a horror story, mate. It, and it's coming to life. It's happening again. 
if someone doesn't sort their defence out and just sit off, Roma just need to go to Anfield, sit off, park two buses, not one. Just do whatever you've got to do. I don't know, but it, it can't happen again. If it happens again, mate, I'm off. See ya. I'm out of, I'm out of town. I'm out of dodge, mate. It's just, I am so happy that game is happening after my fight because I swear... I could not take it if that happened before my fight. If they won that game before my fight, there is a good chance I wouldn't even turn up at the O2. And I'm not even messing me. You don't understand what what goes on between Copites and Blue Noses. We just constantly... It's not even banter, mate. It's, it's wrong what they do. They're laughing at me. They say, and I wouldn't mind now. It's at the stage where they, they target me. So I go to Derby and they target me. Hey, you blue... You're this, that. Yeah, all right, tough guy. You say it while you're over there. Come out, and as I'm walking down here in Anfield Road, it's like, all right, so good luck. Hope you knock her out. No, you don't. Just being called me blue, you. Yeah, but nah, you don't understand what it does to me. Well, but I don't want. I, the mad thing is, I, I didn't want to. I don't know what I want. I don't know. I want. I, I know my brother's sitting there watching them, so I want him to be happy, but. And I want them to get dead, dead close and dead, really. Like, but then I just don't want them to win it, mate, because it, it never leaves me. If they win it, Lara, it's over. Life's over. It's just over, mate. It's no good. You know what I mean? I've got me, I've got me younger sons going do 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 do, and I just said, don't say the next word, lad. He's five years old. You know what I mean? He do 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 do. Don't do it. Not on my watch. It's not happening. Fight night special. An afternoon with Tony the Bomber Bellew on Talk Sport. 